Now get ready for the time of your lives, cause you are now watching Godcast. Hello everybody, welcome to Godcast, the home of forced rubber duck and anime jokes. I'm your host, Hydrowave99, and I'm joined here today with Floof Alpaca. How are you today? You're lucky this is the intro. <laughs> right, because we're actually doing something a bit different this episode. So, for every... So, as many of you know from the earlier episodes, I always like to force you know, Bay Metal figures, and recently been introducing Rubber Ducks. Since the last episode, I introduced the Squeakers. <laughs> but this time, I'm challenging myself. And for every time I show a Rubber Duck or a Bay Metal figure or make a joke or reference about them, Alpaca gets a Steam game. Except for the intro. Have your fun now, bitch. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, that's how it's gonna work, except, you know, I'm not sure if I actually really want to, depending on how many times he fucks up. <laughs> um, because, uh, you know, he could buy me all Final Fantasy games, um, eventually. Uh,. But uh, or I could also don't even him. know if I want to drain his wallet that much. Or I could buy him the Chrono Cross remaster that came out just recently. I actually heard it was kind of bad. But yeah, surprisingly, it's, for some reason, the optimization they did for that game was horrible. <laughs> like I, the graphics were, were like the, for some reason they couldn't translate the graphics very well in either the smoothed out version or the enhanced version or the original version. It's so weird. That's sad, actually. Um, I like. I haven't really looked at what it what it looks like exactly, but mm. I, I heard that it was bad, and that now that I know about the graphics, I you know I mean, the whole point of um, you know uh, a remaster is kind of just to like. Uh, you know, is to make uh the game look better for I guess newer generations and stuff. Yeah, like um, how, how could you screw up what essentially is a port from a PlayStation One game? Yeah, um, it's gonna be similar to what happened with Chrono Trigger, which that game started off with a rocky start, and then it's gonna eventually get good in like a few years. Which I, you know, I kind of I, I understand what happened with Chrono Trigger, hmm. but um, they're they're repeating history in a sense. You know, it's uh, it's kind of uh, sad. I mean, I haven't really played. Chrono Cross either. Not even, you know, I haven't even beaten Chrono Trigger. Like the one that I was playing before, before I took it down from my Let's Play series, because I don't know, I just felt like I was uh, I was I felt like I was slipping, so 
Right. Yeah, anyways, I feel like um, you could do it better now. It's like you could probably restart that entire playthrough now and just actually make a very compelling let's play series of that game. Yeah, maybe. Um, and plus, it'll be consistent concept for you too, because you know that series will go on for a while. Yeah, you mentioned that it could potentially be ten to twenty like episodes, just with just how much content is available. I guess you know. Yeah, so I would definitely say um, go for it. I'll I'll see what I can do about it. I I've been uh I I experimented with uh like longer form content uh on my channel and it didn't do good uh towards the second upload of like a two hour thing. So yeah, what you do is you you could you could essentially what you do is the way I vision how you could take you could handle it is do like 20 minute episodes of the of the thing and kind of just put like try to chop down like the most highlight worthy points that are either story based moments or just comedy moments that you think would be the best to represent a part one okay so kind of like what i did with that like seal game that i played yeah just do the same thing just do it with chrono trigger okay because that took me like an hour and i was gonna upload the entirety but i was like this might be better if I just like not like screw around all the time. Yeah, just <laughs> in do this it. game. Yeah, so you do it. Just play the game. Do do like a one or two hour chunk of the game, and you edit that down to like fifteen twenty minutes. Mm. And then, and then, yeah, um, or like at least the most noteworthy points that actually keep the audience somewhat engaged and still have the similar story beat, so they can understand the story. Certainly, yeah. Um... Because you, you have a formula that you have with the Seal World video. Oh, yeah. Take that and apply that to other games. Okay. It yeah. even attracted the attention of a developer. Exactly. Anyways, yeah. I, I, mean, I won't bring light on that, but I got to say that that... I don't know. When I saw that, I was like, who is this guy impersonating the developer? And then I saw that it was the developer, and I was like, yeah. I, I don't know. I I, oh, I squealed like a little girl, even though it's some random dude who, you know, um, he's just, or she, I guess. I don't know. They're just somebody. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. like, I, I felt like God shone a light on me, but I don't like saying that because everyone says that. They're like, oh my God, you're my favorite idol, even though I don't idolize, you know, but, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was like, oh my god, um, but uh, yeah, um. So, anyways, um, should I should we talk about like should I talk about like the guitar amp and stuff? What um, do we want to talk about? Hey, this is our show. This okay. is the intro. We could talk about anything. This is the miscellaneous segment, pretty much. Okay, um. So I uh, picked up a Fender uh, amplifier for my guitar. The, it's a Champion 20. And I I got stuck with a cruddy 10 watt, like, has no features besides bass, treble, and volume, and a push-button gain knob. It's not even a knob. It's you push a button, in and it turns it up to the distortion and gain. Um, but now... I have this thing that can just do effects and I can like I can I can like 
mess around and and then there's like a voice sort of thing that um if you you can change it to sound british you could change it to sound more like metal um and there's one that like sound like different types of uh amplifier sound effects and uh, it's just like i don't know it got me excited back into guitar and i felt like i could do anything except i don't know how to play guitar still um right but like, was, i'm sure you could probably make it sound like all sorts of different genres like I, I was like the only song that i know how to play in full well not actually in full but i can only play the um the guitar like the single chord like the single um string um parts of like uh the um it's a pink floyd song it was it was in the flesh and i know how to play it like at least the beginning part and it it get re gets rehashed in the end um and i'm able to play it but before with the crappy little amp i was like the tone on this sounds off and i was just just messing around trying to find different sounds on it and i was like this is i cannot achieve the same sound that they got in the studio so when i got this amp and i switched it to like i think i think i switched it to like the third british um and then i set i set the voice to like the third british setting and i set the fx to set it to like um a little bit of i guess uh like reverb and of course, I set the gain up, and I messed around with the stuff on the guitar knob. And oh my god, it actually kind of sounds like the same exact uh, tone of and like like sound of the like amp used in that song. And well, technically, I know how to play two then because that song gets reintroduced in a later part of one of the albums. Um, but it gets like, um, it gets rehashed and, uh, it, it gets like corrupted into like a, a more of an, like a, a fascist sort of like symbol, I guess. So, cause that's part of the story, mm. um, of the, of the album, but just the fact that I'm able to play that. And then slow, like I don't know how to do the in between with with the chorus um, or the vocals, I guess, where it's a it's just a, a guitar. That's probably the hardest part. But I can do that, and in that now I can actually achieve the tone of some of the solos and some of the songs. Mm. It's like, what the hell? I've been held back because I didn't want to pay, you know, hundred fifty on an amp, and. Uh, one thing that's gonna scare me though is because a lot of tubes I know are made in like, um, like Siberia and stuff. There's like a few things, and if you did, you know, around this time of the episode, there's a certain thing going on that scares me. So I'm like, I need to get this thing before something, you know, ends up happening, you know? Right. Um, I won't really talk about that stuff, but. That's yeah. not the time and place for this episode. That's for the special episode that we have planned. That's going to be 
It's going to be a doozy of an episode, I'll tell you that much, considering we have to, we're going to talk about everything regarding this, that, that conflict regarding how technology is involved and everything like that. It's going to be a very interesting episode, I'll tell you that much. Oh, yeah. Certain foes become friends in this episode right. of Gawcast Z. Anyways, <laughs> um, like that one guy who, like, Tracked Elon Musk's jet. Let's not talk about what exactly happened, but holy crap, a 19 year old. Man, I wish I did something better in my youth. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. So, yeah, um, there's that. Oh, also, um, I had like a surgery prep thing. I had to go on like a liquid diet. I won't exactly mention what it is because it's like personal. But then they called me and like they sent they left a voicemail and then they said that it was canceled. And I was like, oh, my God. So you had me drinking clear liquids and stuff and you had me starve myself. And now you're going to cancel it. Um, by the way, I was going to get Chinese food and somebody that I was with went, got Chinese food instead. And I was like, yeah, but I can't, you know, I can't, dude, it's, and then, oh, yeah, well, that's okay, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll save it for you for later, and I was like, awesome, thanks, uh, anyways, but, it was a big mess, and I never got to enjoy my teriyaki skewers, those mm. damn things are amazing, Especially the one I made, the what the one, uh, not the one that I make, the one in my my place around my place. It they have this way of making it that it's almost it's not really breaded, but it it's like it it almost looks like it's it's so damn sweet that it's like it's covered in this like breadish sort of stuff. That's I don't know I don't know how to really describe it, but it's it's amazing. It's like a gloss that's like it's covered in. It's almost like a like a like a candy almost in a sense like it's it's covered in it and underneath is like the steak but it's it's not disgusting it's actually really damn good and i'm like wow and i hate pineapple no i actually love pineapple except on pizza um you're gonna get some people very angry about that in the comments if we ever get anything but still I'm sorry that I eat different. I, I don't like pineapple on pizza, but I don't hate people who like it. I just won't have it, you know? Right. Like, you can you can do that. That's fine. That's okay. Uh, like, it's it's not my mouth that the, that the food's being put into. It's just a little strange for me that it's sweet on, on a something that I usually stuff ham on, you know? I like pizza with ham, but not pizza with ham and pineapple. But some people it comes call to like Hawaiian pizza for some reason. Yeah, Hawaiian, which I mean, I understand the pineapple. I guess it's tropical, but are pineapples from Hawaii? And how many pigs do they have on Hawaii? I, I believe. <laughs> Sorry. Oh God! Are yeah, we gonna start pig jokes now too? <laughs> this is cool. Now nah, this is the intro. Do not steal. Copyright twenty twenty two. Right. Yeah. So if this is the intro, then I guess I can still display this on screen. But yeah. But, yeah, but 
I thought I warned you to keep your fidgets away from you <laughs> so you don't accidentally end up pulling out a, a duck and being like... <laughs> and then I'm just like, fuck you, bitch. You owe me Cold War. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you Buy me Vanguard now. <laughs> hey, at least it's on Steam, so I can't get you. God damn it. Uh, buy me, um, uh, Battlefield 2040. Oh, wait, it's free. Never mind. It went free to play. It has, like, less than a thousand players, I think, now. Sad, sad times. Wow. We'll talk about that in another, uh, the next episode. We have a lot to say about a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Also, I tried Reese's Puff Clusters. And, uh, um, it's just Reese's Puffs, but they're misshapen, and they're less likely to, like, be too hard to crunch down. Like, I I've had Reese's Puffs that are so difficult to crunch down, and I don't know why, like, and then I crunch down and I hit my teeth, and it's like, wow, why was that so tough? <laughs> or right. so hard. Um. Um. Let me see what else I I need to talk about because I was I had something else that I wanted to talk about with with technology, technology I guess I'll call it because you know right I hear you. Um. Uh, oh yes. Uh, I noticed that. Um, speaking of Pink Floyd, uh, they released a uh, a new album, but um. When when I when I heard Pink like Pink Floyd got reunited, I thought Roger and David like came together and were like, ha ha ha, you know that rivalry we had, you know, like you remember that rivalry we had there, David. I don't think that's what Roger sounds like, but <laughs> I um. You remember that rivalry we had way back when because we hated each other's creative differences, eh? Well, now we're both gonna get nuked, so hey, let's make an album together with you, me, and Nick, and uh, get the other dudes from the other, from uh, the Division Bell and whatnot. And then I, I saw that it wasn't Roger, and I was like, God damn it, can you guys please stop feuding? It's like watching two parents argue. I don't care if you're banned on Facebook. Ugh. So you're telling I mean, me, so you're telling me that you thought the first second that two had gay sex to make amends, and then it never actually happened. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm a peace-loving man, but I think I'm in the right to give you a whack. <laughs> Anyways, um, but no, I just saw it was David and, uh, um, like, the, uh, other rest of Pink Floyd. I, like, I, I know Rick and, uh, you know, I know Rick Wright passed away in 20, I forgot when it was, uh, Richard Wright. Pink Floyd. Um, um, 
September 2008, and of course, Sid, you know, he, you know, he passed away in 2006, so, um, I mean, of course, he wasn't, you know, there as well, because of, you know, but, um, because I know, like, they couldn't be there, of course, um, but yeah, and uh, they, I guess they released new material. I haven't listened to it, actually. Um, and that's kind of the, the saddest thing was I was like, I was so angry that they didn't like say, you know, hey, let's not be, you know, let's not be uh, hating each other now because, you know, we're getting older now. It stopped being sour, but yeah, I guess some things are not meant to happen, I guess, you know. Um, but yeah, they released a new song. Um, it has vocals from Andre. K-H-L-Y-V-N-Y-U-K. Um, I, I truly apologize that I cannot say that. But it's called Hey Hey Rise Up. And I can only assume that it's good. And this one-off, you know, is a, a, a sigh of... Um, there's a little bit of a relief, or, a, like, a little bit, uh, it's something to experience, I guess, I don't know, it's something to, you know, kind of rehash, you know, the 80s and 70s and 60s, I guess, you know, a bit, with a, with a new flair, I guess, you know. Right. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and, yeah. You know, but it's just like I thought with the context of why the song was put together, I thought because of how Roger is very anti-war and, you know, um, that sort of stuff, I thought he would have at least swallowed some pride, you know. Mm. I don't hate either of them. I don't really pick a side. I like I like Roger's creativity. I like David Gilmore's um, skills on the... Um, you know, on music. And I think it's just... I think it's just sad that they can't get together even for something like this. But then again, I I don't know. Right. I it, it, it don't matter, really, though. Um, they, they can do what they want. I'm not gonna... You know, I'm not, I'm not dictating them, of course. Ah. <sighs> But, uh, hey, at least you got to talk about an artist that you like and not another artist that I, you know, tend to mention on the show. You're lucky this is the end. Alright, so at least I need to get to talk about baby metal. <laughs> you fucking did. <laughs> I 
can't believe you've done this. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> Bloody hell, I can't believe you've done this, dude. Oh. Anyways. Also, um, enjoy, some, enjoy some rubber duck and squeakers. You're lucky that didn't get captured. <laughs> Maybe you should clear your ears out. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, um, I mean, that's all I've got to say for right now. Like, for, uh, you know, not because I want to uh, cash in on, uh, you know, uh, you know, naivete from a certain someone right next to me. Uh, but uh, because that's literally all I have to say. I'll have for updates. Oh, also, um, I'm, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I have, like, a Nerf gun, and it's like a, it's like a one-shot, like, sniper. I see. It's like a, it, it's like a really terrible rifle. I see, I see. It, it, it obviously won't kill all the deer with Kevlar vests, but... It'll get the job done. Sorry. It's okay. uh, I'm just joking. So, now that the intro is done, um, we can start putting up the joke counter. It'll be right above me over here somewhere. Oh, yeah. I'm going to keep track. For, for every... Um, do I got a prop that looks like a tally? <laughs> right. Um, and while we're here, I mean, I pulled up the video for our first topic, which is this of interview from Hassan and Destin from IGN here, which detailed a ton of things from Hassan's point of view. So might as well get that going here. And okay. let's get our thoughts out on this. So the two of us both took notes on the whole thing. But we saw. And here's what we were able I was able to gather. And the game so for the situation with the bandit, as many of you know, we've had situ the situation in which you know, there was a lot of controversy with this game after the initial release on a, on a state of play. It went through many things, such as a phase in which they were leading into the marketing for Hideo Kojima and Silent Hill and all that stuff. They went as far as to, you know, all this sort of stuff. They deleted tweets. They've had it. We've looked at a track history of how they've, you know, had many different games that got canceled. Or delisted, all that stuff. And this mm -hmm. interview here gives us a good amount of idea, according to Hassan, as to why this this sort of stuff happened. And I'm just gonna bring up my phone here because it has a ton of notes. I have notes. And Alpaca has notes. Oh yeah. So I'm just gonna go through my notes, and then Alpaca can go through his notes, and we can kind of see like what we've got. So, from what I got here, 
he Hassan mentioned that the gameplay was not solid, though as time goes on, they're hope he's hoping to achieve what the companies wanted to do. And pretty much a good majority of why a lot of stuff has happened is because incompetency. And that he also did not have experience in marketing and there and the backlash was actually mentally affecting him. And for this interview, he won remain open and transparent. And like I said, he there wasn't anything seen because he was scared. And he viewed this as a very personal project. Okay. Also, gamers don't... Uh, what he mentioned too, gamers don't understand development and only know what they see. Which, according to him, for what I can interpret this as... If we're not seeing anything in motion or any new gameplay trailers or anything, it's going to be in the material that's presented and people make these connections. It's only going to make the assumptions worse. Also, he mentioned that he's been working on this game full time every day with development starting back in 2017. And... and He's hired teams of freelancers and team members. It mentioned he mentioned something about IndieDB and how like it was like he mentioned a lot of posts on there and all other stuff. And then part of the reason, apparently, to him why a good chunk of the game were canceled is because publishers had kept declining the games that Blue Box were trying to make. And we've had two situations with the haunting and the whisper. And that for the Whisperer, apparently in his eyes, the game was too demanding, as I phrased it, because people were low going in the game and the phones at the time were underpowered. And due to the constant backlash, the game would delisted. And as for the haunting, the game had a lot of placeholder assets. And it caused, and it was on Steam Early Access, which caused the game to be reviewed negatively. He only want, he mainly wanted to have something out there to show a proof of concept for a battle system. And obviously, it caused it to be refunded consistently. Um, we also have the fact that when the haunting is done, he's gonna make it free to play. But those who had bought the haunting are going to get the abandoned prologue for free. As of right now, the haunting is community-driven, and there's also the fact that, again, the experience will lead to the reasoning for the Silent Hill and Metal Gear connections, and the eye, and the, in fact, there was that time which we showed an image of, I think we showed it or not, but if whatever reason, there's an image at one point in which there was a background with the guy with the eye patch. Maybe people connected to Metal Gear Solid, but it turns out to actually be the evil brother of the protagonist. And for the tweets, the reason why he wanted to take those, the, why there's a bunch of tweets that were taken down. What because of it because of the fact that it didn't seem relevant to what the game is going to be, but he mentioned that the mistake was a terrible mistake, and that there was going to be more plans for more content for the real time app. And their first priority right now is trying to get the prologue for this game out, which, by the way, is not just a demo. 
it's gonna be apparently be a full-on game with its own trophies and everything like that. And it's gonna be developed and the game is now gonna be developed in Unreal Engine 5, which likely means that the game itself probably was being developed in Unreal Engine 4 and now be in the process of being ported over to Unreal Engine 5. And now apparently he's working with like with another company, I believe it's called Iceco, and they're going to be working on character capture. And those are the notes I got, but Alpaca, what did you get from this? Um, so my note list right now is uh, very, very much like yours, except for the very end. I didn't really jot down the development process because I feel like, um, I don't know, I kind of lost uh, track of what was in it, I guess, because, like, they were talking about metahumans, and I was like, yeah, ah, uh, great metaverse. No, <laughs> not no, just kidding. It's a, um, it's a feature under under five, which you could actually dabble this for free, believe it or not. You could actually dabble with this. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I was just like, I, I saw it, and I was like, I, I heard metahumans, and I was like, God, the metaverse, anything but. But, uh, no, um, <sighs> So yeah, I got like trying. Uh, so at the, at the very uh, beginning, um, he was talking about how he wanted to interpret like, you know, what a real battle feels like in abandoned and like in a video game and stuff. Um, but I don't know what it what they what he means by like real battle because like, um, I mean a lot of games have kind of simulated this for a long time and in different ways. Um, I guess it's more like an AI thing and like giving it more of a like a feel, I guess. But you could use VR, I guess. I don't know. But right. I don't know. Um, Maybe he means like a real terms of a mental battle. The idea of going through a survival battle, essentially. Oh, OK. That could yeah. be a possibility of interpretation there. But regardless, I mean, what do you think of these details if they were to be believed? Um, well, the uh, first time in marketing, a little uh, snippet, um, at least from what I've heard, what I heard in that interview, um, what about the money that PlayStation allotted him and Blue Box to? set up like marketing because like where, where would all that money go if it, if it was his first time you know it's it's a little um it's a bit scary i guess you know the that he didn't know how to market properly and stuff and he's he was given this opportunity and i remember before i mentioned like it would it would be crazy if you know if it was like a lawsuit thing but um I mean, obviously, this interview shed a bit more light on it. Um, at least his side of the story, I guess. Um, uh, he also mentioned how he wanted to be transparent a bit more, but there was no real updates along the lines. And I understand he was very afraid to talk about stuff because people would always be negative and be like, well, I don't see it, so I'll see it when I believe it sort of stuff. Right. Um, Actually, he, he mentioned the interview too that he was constantly being harassed by people a lot, and he had to make yeah. statements on this. Mm-hmm. And uh, like the um, 
like the interviewer at um, IGN mentioned it I don't condone I, I I'm terribly sorry that it's just something that we have to deal with you know that, that's kind of I, I'm terribly sorry that that's something that he had to go through like obviously you can tell that this guy he you know, it, from what he, from his body language and stuff, it's, he's very nervous and he's obviously not like he's, he didn't want this, I guess, you know, kind of, uh, spotlight or he enjoyed it for what it was, but realized that it's not as, not like amazing when there are people that aren't, uh, very nice, I guess. Right, and not only that, but this is actually the biggest exposure he's ever had. And he doesn't seem to, as if if this was to be believed, is the key word there. Of course, of course. But I do believe, you know, everyone gets hate, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, with exposure comes criticism, you know, because if nobody's watching your stuff, you don't really know if it's good or bad, except for your own opinion on it, and. But then people can be very um, harsh, I guess, and you know it's like I don't know. But yeah, I feel sorry just because it's something nobody should go through. But it's unfortunately one of the things that you know pops up every you know every time you do anything online. You know, you kind of just have to deal with all of it. Of course, now. What if we flip the script around and take the opposite direction? What if we interpret this more as the body language showing that he's nervous about potentially lying? That he's trying to construe things in a particular way to make it sound believable. This is something that was pointed out in one of the comments of this video, actually. If you scroll down. Um, take your time. Second. Yeah, take your time if you take the chance, but. Yeah, sorry. I'm going to pause that. <laughs> um. <sighs> okay, so what am I looking for again? There's a comment down below that mentions that he could. This is the face of a liar because of the fact that he's making all these random eye looking around. He's looking around and constantly like fidgeting around or something like that. Yeah. It, um. It. Uh, I mean, I I do I did look at it and like yeah his. He he really was terribly like nervous and like, but I could tell from his like the way he was speaking even that it was his heart was pounding probably you know like I mean I don't I, I'm not gonna say he's lying or he's not lying but you know it's he was really really freaking nervous because. Like it's a it's a big spotlight he's in, you know. When you're in, when you're being interviewed by, 
you know, as even though IGN has had its, you know, had its takes and have had people question the um, integrity, I guess, mm-hmm. being interviewed with a big spotlight of, you know, this video has almost 51,000 views, according to, you know, what I'm looking at right now. And I have a restored dislike counter that you yeah, you showed me. Mm-hmm. It says that there's like 2,000 and, and 2.2K dislikes <laughs> um, out of 781 likes. At least for me. I, I know it's like an algorithm. But, but anyways, um, even being interviewed by that and having this many people, including the both of us, watch this video and take a look at this guy... Even if it's not live, he knows that that interview is going to be taken and posted somewhere and across, you know, this is just YouTube, even though YouTube is kind of the biggest, uh, you know, platform for all this stuff and IGN, IGN has, well, that's 16 and a half million subscribers, you know, obviously. And not not only that, but one of the largest gaming publications out there. Of course, of course, yeah. Um. It's just, I don't know. It it's obviously very nerve wracking. I've been in a position where it's uh, like, um, I feel like all eyes are on me, you know. But I don't want that. So I can understand that kind of point of view. But I also understand the point of view of, yeah, this guy's body language is very um, looking around the room, very like you know, if you were to think of it kind of like you know he's trying to look for ideas and stuff you know looking for things to uh make up i guess or something but uh, you know that's you know uh, i'm not gonna say that he's lying i'm not gonna say that he's telling the truth either though but what he's gonna say is what he's gonna say i guess because there's no way of telling if what he's saying is true in my opinion you know there's no way of saying what he's telling is a lie you know, the we haven't seen much of anything, which <sighs> give me one second to bring back I wanna be transparent, no and no updates on Twitter or any social media really that much. You know, that kinda does make it a bit more towards the liar side, but of course I'm not saying. Um and right, and he I also I, said Right, I mentioned before too, like you mentioned with the like we haven't got any other answers regarding say the status of the PlayStation loan or anything that is meaningful. Yeah. And he says that he's been working all day, 24 seven at one point in the video. Um, if you remember is around when he said he wanted to be transparent a little after that. Um, he was just struggling with deciding if it should be made or not on like a little while ago when it got more, more and more exposure. Um, and as you mentioned before about like, uh, the whisper and, uh, the haunting, um, you know, the whisper was too ambitious for the phones at the time as far as what he, what he said was, it was too ambitious for a mobile game, but that kind of erases the question. Maybe he could try a PC or something, try to re-release on the PC as like a, a legacy edition or something, you know, as not like a legacy edition, but um, 
the whisperer and have it as a subtitle because or just have it as the whisperer or something or if it's mobile and arm just bring it to the switch <laughs> that, that could be kind of funny like it like if they can't if sony has that tight of a grip on abandoned and the copyright of it maybe that could work yeah um uh as far as the haunting, I, I mean, I understand a lot of Steam games. They usually flop. I'm going to be honest. A lot of Steam games that get released are never played by almost anyone. And if they are, they're usually downvoted because they are either terribly made, poorly made, or... if You know, there's been the joke of a game that's been in early access for so long that... Is this really even like there? There's a really popular game that I was playing with a few friends. It's the Forest, and for some reason, I think it's still in early access, even though it's been out since like what, 2013, I think, 2012, right. maybe older. But um, I mean, I I know that there's that joke though, you know of uh. You know, there's a game that never leaves early access, and it, it's it's kind of a, it's kind of a, it, it, I don't know. Um, uh, maybe it maybe it left early access. I don't know. Can't see it, but um, it. it the haunting, I guess, with that whole idea of it, um, I understand how people are very harsh about it, and I can see that maybe the exposure of abandoned, uh, as well as how the haunting was like uh, disliked for its, you know, placeholders and stuff, how it looked unprofessional and stuff. I think that maybe made Hassan feel like this, you know, releasing abandoned, um, you know, in an, like, like an earlier, uh, like the reason why he didn't really be transparent about how abandoned, you know, is, or what the, the, uh, the development of it, it's probably because of the, uh, anxiety he shares with how the haunting was like poorly received right I, I can't see it as like that but I, I'm not I'm not like victimizing him because he is a person and I understand that when you make a product there is um, you know no matter no matter what you're not safe from any sort of crit criticism it's a problem though is if you make art, prepare to be criticized depending on how it is, you know. If you, you know, if you do anything, like this show, for instance, it, it can be criticized, and it's you're free to do that. I've seen in another episode, actually, when we actually pushed an advertisement back in, like, 27, I believe it was. It's our most video viewed episode. It actually, yeah. We actually had one person thumb it down, and I try to respond in a polite manner, because yeah, and that's okay. Because 
although it wasn't really constructive, just got to deal with it, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just a single emoji. We're not butthurt about it, but, I mean, it could have been a bit more, uh, what's the word for um, talking more about the subject? Uh, but... Like you said, um, constructive. It could be more... Yeah. Um, yeah. Input. Like, actual... More input, more feedback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... But back to this, um, and that little teaser that they did, uh, first equals S, last equals L, or something like that. Um, the I I can I can get that, I can get behind that. How it it was just survival, you know, because that's what he said about in the interview is that that's what name for the i guess the trailer or for you know what the game was gonna be based around or something like that right yeah um so i I can understand that it you know but it was a kind of a dense way of just saying oh yeah by the way that's the name of the trailer or that's how the game's gonna be it's gonna be about survival (laughs) i don't know i was like you really made it that cryptic just for the like how the game is gonna be or what the trailer right. is gonna be called, but um, but I understand that you you it's a bit of an airheaded thing. I, I do it all the time to be completely honest. I I say stuff and then I'm like that that's gonna be poorly interpreted if in a different context um, happens all the time, but. Um, thing about the eye patch guy um or he said paul longfield mm-hmm. um uh and the protagonist he's supposed to be jason apparently yeah and yeah and apparently jason has a long lost brother that he doesn't know about that just so happens to be that guy that's in the background of that one um image um Tweets deleted due to development changes. I also I also understand that you know a lot of um a lot of developers get self conscious when they see early um and I don't know exactly why they have no reason to but I know a lot of developers like see uh you know like you ever see something on the cutting room floor or something on like uh like a uh, an archive like a beta yeah. Uh, the beta of this game sort of stuff, you know, it's not really called a beta, but, um, I can understand that people see that and they're like, wow, imagine if the game was like that. And I understand that, that, you know, the development changes were that severe that it, you know, the game that was before, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, no, like, I know, for instance, uh, there was like a uh, channel on YouTube that got like nuked by Activision because they had development builds of the earlier Call of Duty titles, and one that was specifically Modern Warfare Two, and the, the, at that time they were making Modern Warfare Two remastered. Oh my God! They 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 left. They got taken off of YouTube because of just how crazy, like just how like the early development builds i don't know like they they were just taken down for some reason right and 
even though it's the only difference between it, I guess, was like a knife fight or something at the end of of the prologue instead of um, a cutscene or something and whatnot. It, I don't know. It was it was nothing really special, but I guess it was just taken out of the game for some reason. Um. Yeah. And uh, the I think that's all we really have to say about this. I mean, overall, I mean, it showed this is a very nervous developer who is doing the larger audience to incompetency and knowledge about marketing and whatever whether he's lying or not about the situation is yet to be determined we will mostly we are like the interviewer himself we'll wait until we see more details about the thing if we actually get, if we get more details in 2022 showing off this stuff that we are going to see actual more gameplay footage and see that more things in the interactive app are going to be updated and that's great otherwise we're still going to have this image in our minds of just more controversy yeah in especially that real-time experience uh app that the um he mentioned in the in the interview that 20 like uh the interviewer talked about how you know in 2022 you know he, he was like Will it be in 2022? And Hassan responded, yes, yes. Uh, there will be more real-time demos and stuff like that. Um, so maybe, I don't know. We'll see if, if, if one day it gets an update and there's a video there that talks about a certain survival game called Abandons, then... You know, uh, of but course. Uh, also Unreal Engine Five confirmed. Woo! Anyway, sorry. Which means for this game in particular, if they're probably porting this from Unreal Engine Four, that's going to be more developing time. Yeah, I, mm, I, I know. I feel like it's port stuff, but it's still going to be more development time in a game that we're still waiting for more information on. Yeah, it's going to kind of be like Halo Infinite and the Cyberbug 2077. Is that a meme? Do I count that? I'm not going to count that just because it's not really a meme meme, but it's like the game is a big meme, but it's it's okay. It's I'm proud to experience the game for what it is even though it's not the best i am I proud to have two copies of that game one for steam and one for xbox are you fucking nuts you don't even have a oh god <laughs> your 67k must hate you <laughs> it must fucking hate you for <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, I did run um, like twenty to like about like twenty frame per second or so. It was not. It was definitely not the most ideal experience. Oh, the bottlenecking! I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it, it must feel like it's on oh, the last. Oh God! Right. Well, speaking of updates, we have to get on with the. You know, the next topic here, 
and we have to talk about how Ghost Recon has halted its updates. Oh yes, breakpoint. Uh, I don't know how to feel about that. Ooh, let's talk about it. On one hand, like the Ubisoft's first game with NFTs is no longer getting an update. Fantastic. Um, on the other hand, it's the end of an era. Yeah. Except, I don't know, maybe Ubisoft will take that this as an opportunity to release it with the next iteration with NFTs. Right, so we're going to talk about all this stuff right here, right now. And we're going to start off with the official tweet from the Ghost Recon Twitter, which we'll see in a second. Yeah. That, hey, Ghost, we have an important message we would like to share with you all. And once we see it actually load, you'll see two images on the screen here that will show us what's been going on. Here we go. And I'm going to click on this first one here. Sorry for audience, the internet's kind of slow on this end. It's okay. Or we can already see what it is with all the tweets, with that pleading face. Right. Let's see. It's here. a sad, sad news. I at least try to read what I can see of this, but thank you all for the love and support you have brought to the game and how they released more than 11 updates and supported several unique initiatives and special operations with Fisher working with Rainbow Six operations and a whole bunch of things. And naturally, you know, Ah, here we go. First, we just want to say thank you all for the love and support you have brought to the game. During the past two years, we have released more than 11 updates and supported several unique initiatives from the Ghost Experience, the return of AI teammates, special operations with Sam Fisher, working with Rainbow Six operators and Operations Amber Sky, and lastly, our Plant a Tree project. We had been hard at work to add content for Ghost Recon Breakpoint. The last four months marked the release of our final piece of content, the brand new Operation Motherland mode. Tons of new items, including 20th anniversary iconic outfit and quartz items for Greek Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Yeah. Yay. We I, I love quartz. Uh, screw NFTs and the way they're currently implemented. They could have been. They could have been used for so much better. I wonder why they're discontinuing it now. The first game with NFTs in it, also the last. <laughs> Sorry. We will continue to maintain our serve for both Ghost Recon Wildlands and Ghost Recon Breakpoint, and we truly hope you will continue to enjoy the game and have fun playing it in solo or co-op with your friends. From the entire Ghost Recon team, we want to thank you again for your continued support and love you have for the franchise. The feedback you've given for Ghost Recon Breakpoint has been instrumental and will help shape the future of the franchise. Until next time, next time Ghosts. Whew. Um, Qu quartz, quartz, quartz. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, um, fuck. Yeah, I mean, um, like, I'm gonna be honest. Um, 
I haven't played this game, so I'm personally not really, um, not really, uh, um, involved. But looking at some of the, uh, you know, the uh, comments or replies, I guess, um, there are people talking about how they feel the game is incomplete. There's more to the story, um, and that. Um, give me one second. Um, one second. I don't know. There, there were just um, people that were uh, feeling quite let down. Um, just you know, oh man, they're working on the next game. That's sad. Um, you know what's funny? Um, in my opinion, though, is um, this is you know there were NFTs already. <laughs> In this game like at the very end of its life cycle and now it's just kind of dying off I wonder if the next um, iteration will expand upon that and make it a more uh, enticing offer I guess in a sense um, it's even some guy in German I think uh, speaking German um, but uh, uh, one thing that I will always be angry at, and we talked about the Gran Turismo 7. Apparently, this game is always online, and once these servers die, you can't play it anymore. Yay. <laughs> um, and then there are people, like, defending always online for some reason, like, no, no names mentioned, but... <sighs> There's still plenty you know, of people that, that don't have an active internet connection or internet connection that's not speed up to be able to log into these games. <laughs> and even then, it's a, it like there's a single player, you know, to this game. So why do you need it to enjoy the single player? Unless, like that that's my only question. Unless it yeah, unless it's like a scoreboard or something. Who cares about scores though? Oh, I'm more more mean to say it, unless you're talking about a game that heavily le leverages the power of the cloud. I can't, that, yeah. Like like flight simulator. I can't think of any other reason that you need to have an always online single player game. <laughs> you just had to say quartz, the one guy. <laughs> Um, uh, but anyways, yeah, um, I don't know, I, sad news, I guess, for people who are fans of this game, personally, I've, I haven't played a Ghost Recon game since the PlayStation 2 era, when it had, like, uh, it had, like, Doom controls, but because it was, like, you could aim anywhere, it was very, like, backwards, um, it wasn't like, you know, a normal first-person shooter now where they, you know, the one stick is for your look and one stick is for your movement. They were kind of swapped. And it was very difficult to, to get around. And then you had to, like, op operate people, I guess. Also, there was this cool cutscene where this guy shot a bullet through a solid wall. I was like, wait, I thought bullets got stopped by, like, wood or concrete. <laughs> um... Right. Yeah, silly me, thinking we still lived in the Far Cry universe. But keep in mind this is that, according to this other article here, there's actually another Ghost Recon in development. 
Oh, yeah? Yeah, and they mentioned here that the GOAT Next Recon, codenamed Over, and originally leaked by NVIDIA, had been developed for over a year could arrive as early as fiscal year 2023. Instead of teasing that project as part of the series' 20th anniversary last year, however, Ubisoft revealed development of Ghost Recon Frontline, yet another free-to-play live-server shooter deeply reminiscent of Call of Duty Warzone. Uh, <laughs> um... <laughs> Great, uh, another uh, battle royale. My, what's the story? I, anyway. I don't think I don't think it's exactly a battle royale. I I actually I actually haven't kept up with this game, but oh okay, it's oh. It's, it's what they mentioned is a free to play live server shooter. As we don't have enough of those, as already is. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> yeah, it's kind of oversaturated, but. There could, there's always room for more. I guess. Right. Well, why is there an advertisement for Fiverr? Need NFT programming? No. <laughs> why are you working at Block? I don't anyways. know. But anyways, uh, it mentioned some stuff regarding Quartz, which, as we know, hasn't been received the best. And they even mentioned here from the message from the Ubisoft Quartz website. It thanks breakpoint players who claimed initial enemies, and they mentioned as you own a piece of the game and have left the mark in its history. And while this is going on, they're actually hiring for a new number of new blockchain-related roles, including economists, content managers, and a producer to coordinate with game teams and help them in integrating courts. And it's caused Ubisoft developers to be absolutely enraged and frustrated by the company's NFT push. Okay. Which I'll blame them. Because the current I mean, implementation I... of NFTs is not the greatest. I mean, if you think about it, it it's you're serializing digital assets in a game that don't need to be serialized. Right. Like, why bother serializing the, you know, the, the the little cosmetics? Why can't you just serialize, you know, the entire game and have a used digital game market? Because you can't scratch phys uh, digital discs, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, that would make the most sense to me is just have digital games be the NFT and the thing that you would actually buy and then you can actually use the game you know plug it in your library if you don't need it you could just sell it on a marketplace and then you could get some sort of money off of it I think it would be cool you know how um you just sell uh, Pokemon cartridges with like the, well, they are obviously hacks but you know how people just sell like Pokemon you know, sapphire, ruby, emerald, fire, red, life, green, even diamond and pearl, and the even Gen Five with uh, hacked like cartridges that had all the shiny legendaries, even ones that like you literally couldn't get. And people still do that to this day in Pokemon. But they sell cartridges of them on eBay for tons of money. And I was thinking, what if you could just sell your save? 
Like, what if you sold that game and it contained your save, but your save had this exclusive event that was built into that version? Every copy is personalized. Except it doesn't have Wario in the middle. <laughs> Sorry. That I mean, that makes sense, too. Like, you can do stuff like that. Like, I have a guilt... If you're gonna, I mean, serializing just the digital asset of you know the skin or whatever is stupid enough. Like, why not take it a step further? Put make like a dedicated Steam marketplace. Can you have the Steam marketplace? You could like buy like certain DLC items for games like Counter Strike Go and stuff like that. Oh yeah, just do that, but also have the games as an option, so you could just buy the game, buy the used game. And then you can just at least have everything evolved, not just the DLC. Yeah. And don't spend like three or four years working for a fucking auction house. As one of the uh, developers disagreed internally, apparently. Yeah, no one in the, in the team likes the push, and I don't blame them. No, it's just a money-making scheme as far as I'm concerned right now. It could it be way better than this, though. Like, I mean, what would be better would be, let's see. What would be better is if we had, you know, something like, take something like Fallout 76 over here. Okay, the next game you fucking pull out, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, 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 I'm gonna count it, okay? Because you, you're <laughs> scraping the bottom of the barrel here. <laughs> All right. First, first you wanted like uh, you wanted like to see the real icon of sin, but you know, just like behind the icon of sin, and now you're showing me desperation in other forms. With Fallout 76. Pre-order now. Not an advertisement. <laughs> you put Fallout 76 in a pot of boiling water and water this disc completely disintegrates. There you go. <laughs> it's like a... Uh, you remember those, like, rental CDs that, like, disintegrated? Like, you didn't have to send them back. I saw like a tech review. They're like this, like they would turn black and disintegrate. I don't know. All right. When the guy opened it, though, it was like a cherry red. Interesting. All right. But you know what else is interesting? Our sponsor. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, PlayStation Classics are expiring, just like those discs. Right. We have to get to that because. That's a very interesting controversy that occurred. This is similar in vain to what happened with the freaking Wii shop we talked about a while back. Yeah, and I'm wondering if maybe that... Because I don't know if the Wii is a 32-bit system, but what's kind of scaring me is that Maybe these online services, because I was actually, um, I was watching a video by some ordinary gamers, Mudahar, uh, I talk about him a lot, but he mentioned how, you know, 2038, 
32-bit services or servers will become unusable apparently because there's I think there's like a like 32-bit systems will be difficult to um uh I guess make usable after that date apparently or something like that because um you know it's like it's it's the exact same problem as uh y2k and setting your iphone back to 19 1979 on january 1st mm. and it's like it's scary I, i'm wondering if this is what is happening because i assume the wii u was you know that was back when 32-bit operating systems were still a thing i guess and of course the playstation is a you know 32-bit console you know, so, I mean, I don't know if that's exactly what makes it be, but I don't know. It's just scary. And um, wouldn't it be a shame if you had to buy the remake or the remaster of Chrono Cross and it to being 10 times shittier? All right. Well, let's get back to the main topic, though. And pretty much what's going on is that multiple users have reported that their PS1 classic version of Chrono Cross now displays a decades-old expiration date and will not boot after being downloaded. And they also continue that on social media, users have reported similar decades-old expiration dates, preventing them from playing games such as Final Fantasy VI, Rune Factory Ocean, and Unit 13. In fact, one Reddit user even claimed that their entire PS Vita library has been made inaccessible. Oh. And then, as you can see here, there's a couple tweets showing the expiration date for, you know, Chrono Cross. And there's another one that shows this game down here. And then, what the Kotaku has suggested is that the issue could be related to the Unix Epoch, which is when engineers set an arbitrary date designated at the beginning of an operating system's lifespan. It's speculated that some bug could be defaulting PlayStation game license expiration dates to the eUnix epoch. The reports yet again highlight the issue of game preservation in the digital world. And in fact, earlier in the week, so former Sony Computer Entertainment America Jack Trenton, this is a miscellaneous thing, by the way, so this is we can just largely forget about this, said he wishes Sony had thrown more support behind the PlayStation Vita. But to the initial, you know, discussion. What do you think of this weird idea of, you know, these games having this random expiration date that forces these games to not be accessible? Well, um, with the knowledge of what I mentioned with, you know, Mudahar and his video, um, the, you know, um, the, the Unix uh, epoch, um, you know, I, I think it's scary that a random date is when, when things like digital things will stop working, you know, um, that like th things shouldn't freak out, you know, they, they really shouldn't freak out. They shouldn't have a limit like that, but, uh, I understand why, because, you know, some things can't. You know, some things can't count past that. You know, um, in the earlier Pokemon games, just to bring up a video game for an example, in red, blue, and yellow even, 
and uh, the Japanese version of those games and green. Um, you could find Pokemon past 151. And there is apparently there is 151, 152 to 256 or 255, I think. Mm. Um, because the way 8-bit integer works is 0 to 255, any combination between that. And for the Pokedex, there's 151 Pokemon, but there are Pokemon after that that, you know, aren't actually Johto Pokemon because they weren't made back then. There is a point when a system can't count past that, and it, it's a bit scary that, uh, you know, some servers, like, uh, that run uh, Unix-based um, systems, which Linux is part of Unix, um, and, like, I think even Apple's is Unix. I think even Windows, and I'm not sure about Windows, I'm not sure. But I know Windows, like, uh, Mudahar showed, like, Windows Vista um, freaked out when it got to, uh, you know, 10,000, you know, AD. <laughs> you know, New Year's of, of 10,000 AD. <laughs> uh, it, it, like, the system went to 100% CPU usage, and it freaked the hell out. Um, and it's just kind of an arbitrary problem for you know for the like way back when uh, you know they picked january 1st you know for unix they picked january 1st 1970 at you know zero 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 utc um and um in unix time like it's so it's like a calendar but it's but the way machines work is they, they use uh, different ways of cal using calendars. Um, in so in the year twenty thirty eight, after January nineteenth, twenty thirty eight, at around like three fourteen oh seven, Universal UTC. Um, the computer has to store a value greater than 32 bits and it will result in undefined behavior and cause it to crash and usable and like and as it says in um uh as it says uh, it's very similar to the y2k problem and um any time before 1970 in Unix um, is negative, so it's pretty much BC before Christ, almost. You know, um, but anyways, um, I think it's scary that a random arbitrary date will spell the end of a system. And it's kind of sad that that's how it works. Now, we can design systems to last long, long times. You know, nowadays, computers will probably, like, the computers that we're using will be so dated that people at 10,000 AD will 
they don't have to worry about it because they'll be on like like billion bit OS's or something. I don't fucking know. They'll be on like it was it was like a thirteen teraflop GPU right now. That's like the highest standard. I don't know what the exact high. I can't recall exactly what the high standard is right now. They're gonna be at like like a two thousand like teraflop GPU, which will probably translate to some higher value beyond terabytes. Like petaflops or something like that, something ridiculous like that. Yeah, and thankfully nowadays, a lot of systems kind of just they can count like past the like universe's death, I guess, like the heat death, I guess, or something. I don't know, as far as I remember hearing, but that uh, this problem will cease to exist for us. You know, um, for for like later things, I guess, thankfully. But I still could think it's sad that something like this happens, you know, but hopefully there's a fix for it. Like there's a way to know um, if there's a way to set the ex expiration for something like that to be not non-existent or something, I guess. I don't know. But right. either way, well, I think it's yeah, sad. <laughs> yeah, let's. Um, yeah, it is sad, but let's just get on but, to the next topic, which in this case is the Max Payne One and Two remake being done by Remini Entertainment. Okay. Um. Yeah. So this uh this news caught wind around like the sixth, I think. Um. April sixth. And. Yep. And around uh. Around a time when Rockstar Games doesn't have the best reputation for remakes or remasters or um, any other restoration projects, such as you know, like uh, with the uh, GTA trilogy. If I um, had the, a physical copy of the GTA trilogy on hand right now, I would have shown that on screen, but I don't. And you would have owed me it. <laughs> Anyways, um. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, uh, Remedy Entertainment enters agreement with Rockstar Games for a new Max Payne 1 and 2 project. I wonder what the third one is. Uh, anyways, Remedy Entertainment, the creators of Max Payne, are pleased to announce that they will remake the iconic Max Payne and Max Payne, Max Payne 2, The Fall of Max Payne, video games in a new development agreement with Rockstar Games. The relationship between Remedy and Rockstar Games dates back to the original release of the critically acclaimed Max Payne and Max Payne 2. Um, developed by Remedy and published by Rockstar Games. Both games left an indelible mark on popular culture, lauded for their neo-noir atmosphere, groundbreaking storytelling, and bullet time gameplay, which it's, it's kind of like uh, Deadeye, but in this game you can like uh, do like kind of almost like side flips, I guess, like pseudo cartwheels with your with both guns out. Um, like in Red Dead with Dead Eye or slow motion, you know how Michael's ability in GTA V. Um, so, 
Uh, we were thrilled when our longtime friends at Remedy approached us about remaking the original Max Payne games, said Sam Hauser, founder of Rockstar Games. We are massive fans of the work the Remedy team has created over the years, and we can't wait to play these new versions. Max Payne has always held a special place in the hearts of everyone at Remedy, and we know the millions of fans worldwide feel the same, said Remedy CEO Terrell Vertala. We're hugely excited to be working with our partners at Rockstar Games once again for a chance to bring the story, action, atmosphere of the original Max Payne games back to new players in brand new ways. Under the development agreement signed today, Remedy will develop the games as a single title for PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X slash X slash S, sorry, um, using its proprietary Northlight game engine. The game's development budget will be financed by Rockstar Games, the size of which will be in line with the typical Remedy AAA game production. Under the agreement, Remedy has a royalty opportunity after Rockstar Games has recouped its development, marketing, and other costs for distributing and publishing the game. The project is currently in the concept development stage. Um, I guess there's phone numbers down here. Um, and for me... I'm excited because unlike handing it off to a mobile game company, they are taking the pride to put it back in the hands of the fathers of the game itself, you know, or the 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 godparents, I guess. Mm. And what also makes it interesting, too, is that if you notice... One thing I've learned is that the Northlight engine is actually the same engine they use for control. Oh, really? Oh, then they can implement DLSS and stuff, right? Oh, my God. And, and thinking of back in control, like how it was a third person sort of shooter with like um, paranormal elements and stuff, right? Like, I, I oh, my God, that, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, that game already has shown elements of like slow mo elements already with how like you know the protagonist of the game has like anti gravity mechanics and all this other stuff. So this is definitely right in line with what their their current talents are. Very much, yeah, and that's actually quite exciting. Um, and I I could only hope that they um that this release would be you know it would actually show. Uh, that there are more, there's more, there's more fire. There's, there's a bit more, uh, Kindle left, you know? Yeah. Another thing that makes it interesting too, is that this is actually being done only in next gen consoles only. There's no Xbox one or PS4 to hold them back. Ooh, that's a, a little, hmm. although I do understand there's a time where you do have to move forward. Um, hmm. I mean, that's okay with me because I assume Max Payne can and Max Payne Two can be. I think they are available. Um, I mean, with uh, you know how PlayStation is doing, uh, uh, you know the premium memberships now. Maybe they'd be able to bring back the Max Payne titles to the PlayStation Four. You know in a sense so. more so max Payne three i would say i know you could currently play max Payne three backwards compatible on xbox one certainly next but but I, i'm wondering about considering how playstation is making uh 
their version of it, you know. Possibly. But uh, again, I wonder. Also, keep in mind, too, that Remedy's actually been working on multiple products right now, especially considering the Alan Wake remake that's coming, the, new, the Alan Wake games that are coming out. I think a yeah. sequel to Control is coming out, too. Oh, very much the products. So clearly, Remedy is very busy. Certainly, and, and but I, I'd, I'd only hope that's a good, you can go ahead. I apologize. I was gonna say too is that they're clearly very busy, and we're not gonna see this probably till maybe like twenty twenty five or twenty twenty six, even if they're still in concept development phase. So this is not gonna be for a while. Mm-hmm. In fact, we'll probably be on like episode like couple hundred by then. Yeah, but just like a tree, I guess. I don't know. Right. Weird analogy, but, you know. But speaking of other games, though, we have to talk about Sega Super Game. Or as Alpaca would like to label it as. Semen, the breath of the wild. <laughs> yes, that game. Yeah, um, oh god, uh, I don't know about this latest news, right? Uh, so, in May 2021, obviously, remember the company revealed during financial results that its long term plan included a five year strategy called creation of Super Game. At the time, it was believed that the Super Game was going to be a single enormous title. But a new interview had clarified that it refers to a description saying is given to a number of high-budget games as planned. In an interview with Sega Japan's recruitment website, Executive VP Suji Utsumi explained, Sega offers a wide range of game content, including hardware and arcade content, which is made possible by a diverse range of technologies. We have defined Super Game as the development of AAA titles that cross over Sega's comprehensive range of technology, and we will aim to achieve this in our five-year plan. Explaining further, Utsumi said, Several titles are being developed within the framework of Super Game, and while each title will vary, there is no doubt that they will be interactive titles that go beyond the traditional framework of games. For example, in the past, people who played games were called gamers, but now watching games has become a culture in itself, and such people could no longer be called gamers. I think there's a great potential in the relationship between people who play and watch games. We are thinking of creating new entertainment within these possibilities. And according to me, a super game title has to be four main criteria, multiple platform, so it's going to be a multi-platform game, global multi-language development, Simultaneous worldwide release, so it's going to release at the same time across the world, and it has to, has to be a AAA title. And then, in other words, yeah, they say that it has to meet the scale of the global blockbuster. And Sega General Manager Katsuya Hisai added, several products are currently underway of Super Super Game. In my department, around 50 people are already involved in the initial stages. We expect that the final number of employees will be several hundred. And this is the part that Alpaca over here does not want me to talk about. No, I don't. And I see it, and it looks... It it, it, it looks like a racing game, this this logo. Wait, what? isn't this the trademark we were looking at? It is. Oh, one shit. The, it is one of the trademark logos, yeah. Which Damn it. 
I vaguely remember it, and it's very like, look at the crust on that JPEG. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But the thing that we have to talk about, uh, I'm gonna have to make Alpaca cry. The Super Game Project could also incorporate cloud technology and NFTs. Two technologies that Sega has recently been getting involved with. Sega. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> uh, um, good. Good job. And then they also explained that gaming has its history for, of expansion through the connection of various cultures and technologies. For example, social networking and game video viewing are recent examples. And they say it's a natural extension for future gaming and that will expand into involve new areas such as cloud gaming and NFT. Yeah, we are also the <laughs> super game from the perspective of how far different games can be connected to each other. And yeah, that's about it for that. So, Alpaca, what do you think of your dream of having, you know, semen? <laughs> what do you think of your dream of having semen Breath of the Wild actually be multiple games? Semen. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Um. <sighs> um. Whatever. <laughs> but, you know, there's always the classes I can go back to until the death of 2038. So, uh, in my spare time, I'll be uh, spending those 16 years. I uh, just, you know. <laughs> Anyways. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so, uh, I mean. Okay, I guess. That's fine, I guess. I don't care. I mean, I don't like that they're, you know getting in with the hype um and i don't like how crusty this sega nft J jpeg is um but i mean i can't really be mad because i don't know what they're really talking about with when they come when they talk about super game um right so one of the things that seems like it wants to explore is the fact that it wants to Im impact people how you know how they're trying to target not only like people who are playing the game, but people who are watching the game. And there really is no better game to have people watch than Seaman. So are they talking about like Twitch interactive viewers? Like when you can like put like stickers on the screen? I believe so. Like they want to incorporate people who want to watch the game. Like, how do we get these people involved with the game? I don't know. Like, uh, go to Congress and tell the senators, "Hey, by the way, uh, we're gonna make copyright even worse." Hear me out on this. If somebody plays our game, they have to link. They have to link the website to purchase it in the description. That could be Steam, Epic, or our own launcher. It'll be great. We'll, 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 we'll truly make copyright better for the greater good of fair use. Yang. <laughs> Anyways, no. Also, I mean, <laughs> you could just make it so there's a TV inside the fish tank for Seaman. And... Yeah, go wild. But, uh... Um... What do we call people who watch 
people play games. What, viewers? A little cousin who's sitting by, like, on the floor while we're, you know, playing, I don't know, Gran Turismo or something? I don't know. Little Timmy? <laughs> yeah, but, but, I, I don't know, just call them chat, or call them, like, our viewers, my viewers, but, you know, the people who watch my videos, I, the, call them chat, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, um... Anyways, the concept of interactivity or something like that. I mean, I'm happy about it. I mean, like Twitch already has like Twitch interactive. Like, I think there was like a Mario 64, like a Super Mario 64. Like, you could have Twitch chat, like enter um, things in and use bits and stuff to like mess with the game. It would be like Super Mario 64 Chaos Edition, mm. but the chat members have to. Like, they could put, like, kill Mario, like, exclamation kill Mario, and it would, you would die randomly. Like, a message would pop up and say, uh, <laughs> get fucked up, Baka! And then Mario's like, wow! As, as he dies and sits down, depressed looking. Looks like that cut Luigi still from Luigi's Mansion. Um... I mean, I don't know. Like, do something like that. Make Sonic the Hedgehog, but, th like, viewers could spend bits to make Sonic go super fast, dude! I don't know, something oh like my that. God. Or... Well, it's, uh, well, it's not going to be Sonic Frontiers, unfortunately, because that game is going to probably come out this year, so it's not super game for... I don't know, make it like a... Make it like a... An NFT, or... Make like a, a, a an interaction where like you can pet tails on the head. Hmm. Well, I mean, I would lift up a certain thing because Sega does make the games for this particular thing. Sega. Um, but unfortunately, like, then I have to buy Alpaca off a game off of Steam. I know, honestly. <laughs> I mean, hey. I mean, I already listened to uh, the most cursed fucking thing ever. Uh, you know how Caramel Dancing is uh, actually in Swedish, um, and how it's supposed to be a parody of anime and stuff. Um, you ever sit on, you ever lie on your apartment floor with your bathing stripper lights, um, flashing strobing colors, depressed, while... The one and only. <laughs> the one and only. Sings Caramel Dancing. In Japanese. The land of the Weebaloo. Well, you can say uh, the sorry. term. You can say the term. I can't because... You have all right to say whatever you want. I'm only restricted because I put myself behind a paywall. So. Would you kindly raise that figurine? Would you kindly? <laughs> and then I have to owe you a game. Well, the thing is, <laughs> a man chooses, <laughs> and a hydra wave obeys. Would you kindly? <laughs> oh, shit.
And then they buy Which you a game. Which kind of like <laughs> And then they buy you a game. <laughs> Would you kindly buy me Bioshock? The collection. <laughs> I don't know. God damn it. Would you kindly exert your muscles in that arm of yours? Not very muscular, but okay. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> Would you kindly stop? <laughs> Alright, let's move on to how SNK is now has most of the shares now owned by a Saudi prince. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Hey, um isn't that interesting? Imagine Imagine The King of Fighters. <laughs> now the Prince of Fighters. So pretty much, so, so the same people who own Metal Slugs and Fatal Fury and Samurai Showdown, King of Fighters, all those franchises. Well, now Mohammed bin Salman, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia and the leader of the country, which apparently represses human rights, a man linked to the killing of Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi and a fan of China's Xinjiang re-education camps. He's now, via the electronic game developer company, the ultimate owner of the iconic game developer and publisher, SNK. The EDGC first acquired a 33.3% stake in SNK in November 2020, and at the time, announced it planned to buy more shares. In February this year, it did so, raising its stake to an all-out but done 96%. And the, and so, the electronic gaming development company is the company that actually is owned by the Saudi prince himself. And SNK is also known for the Neo Geo consoles too. So uh, okay. But wow, I didn't know Saudi Arabia was like. Real life Kirat. Um, and they bought shares that roughly equated to four hundred thirty million dollars. And apparently, yes. this regime also has huge investments in the likes of Activision Blizzard, roughly three billion dollars worth of shares. Electronic Arts, one point nine billion. Take two. 1 billion and white bright spots at Riot Games, which ended a partnership with the planned Saudi Arabian cross border city of Neom. At the fans pointed out Saudi Arabia's human rights abuses. Um, and if you scroll down even further, you'll find an advertisement of, an, of a lady eating pickles. <laughs> Why is this sorry. I'm sorry. I, uh, um, all right. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, 
I'm sorry. I, I scrolled down and all I saw was like there was a split screen. One screen was a like a cucumber being thrown in like a, a vat of like green acid. Mm. And then there was canned pink pickles. And then it's cut this lady in red lipstick with glasses and like blonde hair eating a pickle. Right. <laughs> That's all I'm out. <laughs> right. Well, so, um, let's try to get back to SNK. this. SNK. Um, yeah. Okay, um I mean I gotta be honest, I have no idea what SNK really is. Like, I know about Metal Slug, but that's about it. They both um, do a lot of fighting game stuff. Like, their most recent games are Samurai Showdown and King of Fire 15. Which you can actually... Okay. The, which, the, which the guy with the two hands that you saw the the first image there? Yeah. That's from King of Fire 15. Oh, okay. I it's, truly it, wouldn't know. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, King of Fighters is a technically a three v three non tag fighting game. Yeah, and it, it technically think of that game as like Super Smash Bros. but for all the SNK characters. Oh, all right. Minus like Samurai Showdown or a couple other stuff, but it originally yeah, I to, see. Yeah, it originally meant to be a ta- uh, crossover between. It meant to be a crossover between. Uh, Art of Fighting and Fatal Fury because those two game series actually took place in the same universe believe it or not mm-hmm. and then they were like hey what if we combine these two franchises together as like a new franchise and that's when they came up with King of Fighters which is based off the tournament series from Fatal Fury And then King of Fire is technically continued as its own franchise, and King of Fire is actually one of their bigger franchises. Mm. I actually would recommend playing it. It's actually a pretty fun game. Well, not anymore, because most of that cash would go to, um, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm one of those sad people that, while I, you know, we all agree with a certain figure from another company that we're going to talk about soon. Yeah. It's a terrible first. So we don't want to support them. In my case, my problem is I kind of like this game and there's going to be more characters coming out in another season, like a few more mm. seasons. And unfortunately for me, I'm probably going to have to buy them, which means like 15 or so dollars is going to be sent over to this guy and I'm going to feel real regretful for doing that. It's okay. I, I bought Far Cry 6 uh, gold, but it was on sale luckily, so they probably lost some money. Yeah. Well, another news though, um, apparently from what I heard, he has no changes of changing how the company is operated. So, you know how, like, with how conservative they all, those sort of people can be? And how with Japanese development, there's a lot of, like, scantily clad, like, characters? Yeah. Um, 
apparently he's not changing that. I mean, if I were him, like... Don't change what's like, broken. No, if I were him, I would, like... Uh, causing, like, a, a revolution <laughs> with my shares. <laughs> um, but seriously, uh... Oh, God. Um... I don't really have anything to say because it's yeah, but controversial figures and stuff. And personally, I stray away from all that stuff recently because it's it's just the same old shit, just different faces. Right. Um, but we will just like, yeah, I'm going to try and like last time when we talked about Activision Blizzard, I will try to get through this as quickly as I can. And this is yeah. another Activision Blizzard segment. So let me get those as quickly as possible. We'll give our quick thoughts and um, we'll immediately move on to the Epic Games news. Because there's a lot of it. Uh, yeah, certainly. Anyways, Activision Blizzard is confirming all temporary contract quality assurance workers in the U.S. to full-time employees during July 1st. Many of the 1,100 workers will receive a pay raise. Their hour rate is going up to $20 per hour as of April 17th. As permanent employees, the workers will receive benefits and can participate in a bonus plan. Companies said bringing these workers on staff as... On board staff, will bolster its development resources and increase its number of full-time employees by 25%. It recently converted nearly 500 other temporary and contract roles across studios to full-time positions. The move comes in the wake of unionization drives spearheaded by QAT members at Raven Software. Workers from across Activision Blizzard stage a walkout in December after some Raven QA contracts were laid off. The following month, QA workers at the studio announced their attention to unionize which would make them members of the first union at a AAA gaming company in North America. And as we know, Activision decided to voluntary decline to voluntarily recognize the Game Workers Alliance Union and some people to other departments. And they mentioned that whether Raven workers choosing to unionize has nothing to do with the salary increase elsewhere for Activision's QA workers. The spokes was... Due to legal obligations under the National Labor Relations Act. And Microsoft, which agreed to a deal to buy the company for $68.7 billion, which we all know is what we at this point would be the best thing to happen to this company. <laughs> to choose whether to be represented by a labor organization, and we will honor those decisions. So pretty much. If they get bought Microsoft, they have to oblige to these reunions. Okay. And yeah, that's about it. So, I mean, what do you think of this whole thing? Um, I mean, I guess it's all right. I guess. I don't know. Right. They're not treating them like crap anymore. So that's good. Yeah. These 1,100 QA testers will at least get some benefits and compensation and, you know, actually get some benefits. It's good for them to see some form of improvement at this company. Even a yeah. little smidge. Yeah, what smidge they can offer. Right. But hey, we all know the main culprit behind the, the top of the top. Yeah, and he's he's gonna leave gliding off a golden parachute. 
mm-hmm. no matter what we do. Yep. So. All right. Therefore. Fuck. I know. You want me to say the line? Say the line, Jim. <laughs> yeah, say the line. F. Bobby Kotick. Right. Anyways, now we can move on Anyways. to the. Now we can start with all this epic games stuff. And there's actually a good chunk of stuff. But before we get to that, let's talk about the the new tumor that got announced. And there's a reason why this is significant. Unreal Engine 5. Mm-hmm. And it's Tomb Raider game. So those are always technically impressive and visually stunning. <laughs> so and get this. It's Crystal Dynamics. So, and you know what what the last thing we know they produced was? Bubsy 3D. No, I'm just kidding. Uh <laughs> Marvel's Avengers. Well, that's one of the most important games. Well, it's that and and the uh, Marvel vs. Mark the Guards of the Galaxy game, but more so and that, yes, but more so the Guards of the Galaxy, the Avengers is the most controversial one. Gex enter the Gecko. No, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean with them Square Enix. Yeah, I mean with them having to work right now working on. Perfect Dark with Microsoft right now, it makes you really think that, hey, maybe Square Enix doesn't have as much faith as Crystal Dynamics nowadays. I mean... Uh, no. What if... What if Project Dark and Tomb Raider collide? You mean Perfect Dark and... Fuck my life. Why do I keep on calling it Project Dark? I said that last time we talked about Perfect Dark. God damn it. Ah. Anyways. What if they collabed? That could like be a, interesting. That'd be pretty cool. Mm. So. I don't know how a, you know, a Uncharted style, like Indiana Jones style female protagonist is gonna... Oh wait, they're both female protagonists, so that could work out. But... One's a Indiana Jones-style explorer, and the other one is more of a agent. What if there? What if? Uh, what if you play the Tomb Raider game, and you see both point of views, while Lara Croft is trying to, uh, um, I don't know, she's doing something, and then. I don't know, the agents and their affiliation, you know, uh, are trying to intercept whatever she's doing for the greater good. But she knows the real greater good. Or something. Who knows? But Anyways, I'm j- we're, just, we're just theorizing. I thought that would be pretty interesting. Anyways. Yeah, that was very off topic. Let's get back to the actual game itself. Like, what do we think of this? I mean, I, both of us, ha- I don't think... You've played many Tomb Raider games, and I definitely have not played a Tomb Raider game. 
I haven't played any per se, but um, <clears throat> I uh, I do know that they've always been visually appealing, and they've been a, a benchmark in a lot of um, for a lot of you know graphics cards, and they've been a great uh, uh, like they've been visually impressive, and with Unreal Engine 5's um, advancements, I I don't know what to what to expect other than the uh, best. Yeah, I guess. a visually stunning game. Cause yeah, the the recent two minute games what I've seen of them are pretty graphically amazing. So certainly. However, let's get back to what we argue would be the main news of this whole thing. And now that, ladies and gentlemen. Unreal Engine 5 is now available to all developers. That includes me exactly. and you. Exactly. And then I can go back into attempting to make a 2D-ish fighting game. Yeah. No, and, apparently the, and apparently there's no fees until you hit like a million dollars in sales. Yeah. So, yeah. As far as I can see. <laughs> so yeah, as I said, it's true. We're making Unreal Engine 5 available to all developers today. And this was off the press of their State of Unreal 2022 broadcast. And then also, they met they had to remind everybody that the start of chapter three, Fortnite is now in Unreal Engine 5. So if you ever hop on the Fortnite, that's an Unreal Engine 5 now. And they are also going to start shipping a new starter game called Lyra to get building even faster. And then creating photo real content can be incredibly expensive and time consuming, which is why they're partnering with the Quixel tool team to create the world's largest library of high quality assets. So imagine this. You can actually have good-looking default assets for your games. Mm. And eventually, with the release of Unreal Engine 5, you can now access the Megascans library without leaving the editor. So they're trying to make that even more seamless. That's cool. And they mentioned a new website where... I guess they revamped the website where you can learn new skills, share your work, and more. And yeah, that's everything they showed at the broadcast, but the most important part of where we're going to drive this home, Unreal Engine 5, available to all developers. I can make a 2D fighting game about waifus, and you can make, I don't know, a 3D open-world alpaca game. Hmm. So yeah, what are your thoughts? I mean, we've seen numerous games, like we mentioned Tomb Raider earlier, and then we also noticed that Abandoned, provided it's actually coming out, is going to transition to <laughs> Unreal Engine Five. Yeah, I'm um I'm looking at the website UnrealEngine.com, you know, English US uh, slash Unreal Engine Five, and I'm looking at it, um. It definitely looks promising. 
um, there there's also um, examples of what you could do. Um, if you look at um, number three on that um, on that part of the site, um, there is the city sample that it's based on the uh, city scene. For, it's actually the city scene from Matri the Matrix Awakens, uh, the Unreal Engine Five one, um, and then there's a game called Lyra. That one I um, didn't mention, yeah. Th yeah, that you mentioned. Uh, and uh, um, I mean, looking at the actual like uh, the actual game though, um, like the uh, city sample, like wow. Is this not real? How is this not real? This looks photorealistic. I mean, I could kind of tell that it's not real, but uh, yeah, wow, I, Valley I, is getting very close. It truly is. I, I mean, uh, parts of it you can tell that it's a, it's not real, you know. But holy crap, everything in here is like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. And that kind of almost falls into the Matrix in a sense, you know, because like, mm. what really is real sort of stuff, you know? Holy crap. All that right. is meta. Literally. And we could talk about how Lego and Epic Games are partnering <laughs> to create a child-friendly metaverse. I know you love every time we hear we speak of metaverse. It's luckily it's not become that much of a meme that meme they have to meant that you have to pay me um, or buy me a game, whatever. Um, <laughs> but if I had a nickel for every time, I'd probably be able to afford. Uh, um, I'd be able to buy like two percent of Twitter. <laughs> Point two, more um, so, but still. <laughs> point two. Anyways. Yeah, so look at this. Um, so the LEGO group at Epic Games had announced on April 7th that they are going to enter a long-term partnership to shape the future of the metaverse to make it safe and fun for children and families. The two companies will team up to build an immersive, creatively inspiring, and engaging digital experience for kids of all ages to enjoy together. The family-friendly digital experience will give kids access to tools that will empower them to become confident careers and deliver amazing play opportunities in a safe and positive space. And as Niels B. Christensen, CEO of Lego, they mentioned kids enjoy playing in digital and physical worlds and move seamlessly between the two. We believe there is huge potential for them to develop lifelong skills such as creativity, collaboration, and communication through digital experiences. But we have a responsibility to make them safe, inspiring, and beneficial for all. Just as we've protected children's rights to safe physical play for generations, we are committed to doing the same for digital play. We look forward to working with Epic Games to shape this exciting and playful future. As tw Tim Sweeney had mentioned, this legendary man, uh, the LEGO group has captivated the imagination of children and adults through creative play for nearly a century, and we are excited to come together to build a space in the metaverse that's fun, entertaining, and made for kids and families. As the metaverse evolves, it is reshaping how people meet, play, work, learn, and interact in a 3D virtual world. The LEGO group and Epic Games will combine their extensive experience to ensure that this 
next iteration of internet is designed from the outset with the well-being of kids in mind. Epic Games has expertise in building creative tools and immersive worlds that are open and accessible to all players and developers anywhere. And they also mentioned how it's the forefront of popular culture. Looking at you, Fortnite. Epic is also committed to enabling developers to create age-appropriate experiences online in 2020, acquired Super Awesome, a company that pioneered technology designed to deliver safe digital engagement with children under 16. So it's like going to be this studio right here that's going to be developing whatever this metaverse is going to be. Mm-hmm. And then mentioned some other stuff. But yeah, what do you think of this collaboration between Lego and Epic? Um, I mean, it's bold and brave. I mean, you know, the the idea of, uh, you know, um, actually ha- having a, um, <laughs> like an, an online that's, you know, safe for, for children. I, I don't want it to be, you know, like, I, I want to make sure that uh, it's, you know, I, I would want to make sure that it's, you know, like, because there there are there are ways like i've seen i've seen people take child games and you know um ruin them you know like uh you know like um on roblox for example you know which speaking um, of roblox i feel like something like roblox or minecraft is how this potential metaverse is going to be you know fleshed out it's going to be a game similar to either one of those two games Oh yeah, certainly. Probably more like Roblox, but um, I've seen you know you know how like adults play Roblox, and mm. you know some people who are more malicious can go on there and uh, do what they need be you know to ruin the experience. I I'd hope that there would be protections in place, you know, mm-hmm. like actual like like I know it mentions you know. All that stuff. I'd hope that, uh, <clears throat> right. I'd hope that there would be a lot of control, not just, you know, smaller like little like, you know, um, put in a pin sort of stuff. Because sometimes it's not as simple as that. Right. Um, also, I mean, think about it this way: what if this partnership went even further and? We see Lego skins for the squeakers inside of Fortnite. Um. And uh, this is where I make my exit and uh, play the Lego Yoda death sound. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. Ah! Um. Uh, the many times uh, I flung Yoda off a bridge. 
Um, just to hear him scream. <laughs> the many times we've inflicted CBT upon him. Anyways. <laughs> the many miles we walk. The many things we learned. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah. There is no <laughs> but yeah, um, do you have any other thoughts about this? Uh, Yoda falling off a cliff. Uh, uh, no. All right, because then we can uh, now talk about how Epic Games is making a mobile app that'll take photos and make them into three models. Oh, why does this look a butt? Anyway, sorry. Anyways, uh. <laughs> oh my god, it's like, it's funny. It's supposed to be like the top of a chair. But the way they have this photo covering it makes really does make it look like someone's. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, so, but sorry, just being immature fools. Uh, God, I want to break the rubber ducks on screen, but I um, can't. We can uh, now um, scan real-life objects into 3D models, which is very similar to the thing we talked about earlier on, about how NVIDIA, you know, um, was doing that whole, uh, like... I remember we were talking about building Halo levels in Forge by using that AI to make, like, a soda can level... <laughs> This is a bit different, however, as Hydrowave explained to me. How is it so, though? Well, the difference is that the, what we talk about NVIDIA Nerf is more of an AI. It's just yeah. the principal AI. This essentially is using an AI or that they have to be able to make it easy for people to do this. So in this case, if I want to lift something off my counter... Here and decide to show on the screen. I can make that object into a 3D image. So, take for instance this HDMI splitter. If I want to make this a 3D object with this app, I could because it's all a simple, easy app. So, as it mentions here, Epic has bought a mobile app that can turn photos into 3D scans, capturing reality. A company Epic bought last year created photometric software called reality capture it could quickly cap convert laser scans or images into 3d scans of assets and the idea is that creatives will be able to scan real world objects at any time to use in their projects after you sign with their epic games account the app will prompt you to take at least 20 photos of an item you can also hold down your finger on the capture button as you move around the object at the app processes the image and turns it into a 3D object with the help of Reality Capture servers, you can export the scan to Sketchfab, which is a 3D asset platform Epic also bought in 2021. You'll then be able to sell the asset to other creatives or use it for, the own for your own 3D virtuality and augmented reality projects. Which probably includes game development too. Yeah. Um... You could probably use this in, um, <clears throat> excuse me, probably use this in Unreal, like, 5. 
even. Um, you know, probably, it, like, you know how, like I mentioned before, how people just used to take photographs and then, you know, put it into, like, a, an image and paste it on as a texture. Um, same thing here, although it's, like, like a 3D object. Like, that amp that I bought, um, I could make that into a, an asset in Unreal 5 and um, maybe change the logo, of course. I don't want to get sued by Fender. Um, so, and that'd be pretty cool. this Sonic Bubblehead I have right behind me uh, there. Yeah, that's definitely not copyrighted like a, a certain... Um, you know, uh, figurine you also have that you're not going to show because, uh, you know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can see Espion over there. I could technically get that Warhead container. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Accidental, and yet I have to buy you a game. Oh no! Accidente. 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 Um. Oh no, accidente. I told you to lock it in like a gun safe or something. <laughs> Anyways, congratulations! You got yourself a Steam game. Are you sure? Yeah, you want it. <laughs> All right, put this in the corner. That's my tally mark for this episode. <laughs> Till I find a real one. <laughs> oh, the oh, the squeaker is gonna. I mean, you technically didn't do it maliciously, mm -hmm. so maybe not. Right. <laughs> I'm willing to forgive you if you do it again, like, on, on purpose, so you can only do it one time. But, like, if you don't do it, I'll just, like... Whoop. 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 Anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah, I'll put this, like behind the microphone and then remember it later as like a it's like one eyeball staring out I me mean, to be fair i mean i could have just made that 3d model but we're not gonna go there i mean technically you could but uh who knows i mean, I mean you could probably turn that 2d image of a microphone provided that you put it like a transparent background entirely into a 3D object. Or I could like 3D print it. Or what if for some reason you put your alpaca avatar as a 3D as like a transparent background PNG and then you're able to take a picture of it using this app and you can get yourself a 3D image of your alpaca. Nightmares. And then you can use it for Unreal Engine 5 to make yourself the Foof Alpaca video game. 
I'm going to download Unreal Engine 5 right now, and we're going to make that happen. <laughs> you will get, like, 5% of the world. <laughs> It'll be an open-world action RPG with Flufo Packet, the main character, battling against a giant rubber duck empire. Does that count? Who knows? He's looking over like that guy who accidentally face rigged himself as a potato. He's like, damn it, how do I scrub that out of the recording? <laughs> well, I just added it, so there you got two Steam games. Nah, I'm, I'm, it's okay, dude, alright? I'm actually not that desperate. <laughs> no, it's part of the joke. I know, it's part of the joke. But I'm actually not that desperate, okay, so... Like. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Coffee prick. Right. Um, coffee prick. Anyways, uh, now we can move on to. Speaking of 3D models, let's move on to a new 3D printer made by Anchor of all companies. And Anchor. It's typically known for battery packs and charging stuff and cables. And now they want to make a new printer called the Anchormake M5. And they say that their goal is to make, you know, the M5 solves the most critical issue that's printed for three printers to go mainstream after typically slow print speeds. They mentioned how the Maker M5 has a basic print speed of 250 millimeter per second. It's meant to be used for working on more detailed projects that need finish. However, this printer also is a much speedier mode that gives it the power to rate up to 2,500 millimeter per second squared, which will lead to something that's rougher and less detailed. And it's mostly used for prototypes and perhaps random toys. So, for instance, if we want to make Fufa Alpaca, uh, his avatar, a toy model, this is how you would do it. I have plans. And they're all, like, um, they're, they're all really terrible plans, but, hey, I, I've got plans for, for 3D printing. Mm-hmm. I've got plans. And the M5, what's designed to be easy set up, it apparently will take only 15 minutes to get it ready to start printing. Apparently, the M5 has the capability to monitor a print job with a built-in AI-powered camera. So, like, if it detects nozzle plugging, it can send an alert to your phone, or you can view live feeds of your print jobs through the Anchor mobile app, wherever you are, and it can also... Yeah. It pretty much allows you to monitor print jobs and stuff, or no need for, like, constant supervision. But right now, it is a Kickstarter project, and you can get the early bird price for $429 or $499 for the secure unit. So, by now, we're probably paying $499 to get this 3D printer. Hmm. I mean, if I had room in my room to put this thing, I'd definitely get one of these. 
I'm personally, I, I kind of want to go and like buy one now, like a 3D printer in itself. They're actually quite affordable for what I can make, you know, that well, for what I, um, for, for like their price. I mean, when I was like little and 3D printing was like still a thing, I was like, it, it was just becoming a thing. Mm. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Why is it like $20,000? Maybe because you're a fucking idiot and you don't. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Maybe I'm an idiot and want to show something on screen and I can't. Yeah. Maybe. Also, does anybody like the new face? I, I kind of went in live 2D and like I messed up with my mouth and stuff. <laughs> so. I think also so it's, it's so subtle that not many people are going to notice it too much. Oh, okay. I don't know. I just, I, I didn't like how I had a gaping maw before. Mm. I was like, always like, <laughs> I was always like, it looks like uh, the scream face, but happier and less killing. Hmm. Interesting. But what things you can ship, though, is the Steam Deck, as more shipments of this product are getting out there. Oh, yeah. Hey. So, some good news for those who are seeking out a Steam Deck. Um, yeah. That's, that's nice. Uh, um, but, but this GIF is scaring me because if you look in the front dead center, every once in a while you'll see something. Look at the hands on one of them. It's a bit. The what? What is that? Hey, it, it looks like a dog, but also looks like a tentacle. It also looks like a unicorn. Oh, I see. What is that? <laughs> the middle gif is like. It's a unicorn. Wait, what? What? What is it doing at the bottom? <laughs> Imagine was it doing the bottom right? Imagine if that was an alpaca doing that. Oh my god! Yes! This is how it is. <laughs> Thank you, Gabe Newell, for accepting my kind <laughs> and showing representation. Oh my god. That's actually really cool, though, honestly. I wonder if anybody in the comments is mentioning it. Probably not, but hey, it's worth a shot. Anyways, welcome to Q2. We just sent out the first set of order emails to Q2 reservers in order of reservation time. Start today, we're wrapping up Steam Deck shipments, and we'll be sending more order availability emails every week, sometimes even twice a week. We've also updated the Steam Deck product page to clarify what Q2, Q3, and after Q3 means in terms of months. No reservation windows have been changed or delayed. Only some additional info. Log in and visit this page to see your quarterly estimate. But yeah, this is a fantastic news for those who are seeking out a Steam Deck. Oh, yeah. I Checking mean, every, every single day for that package. And now? Of course, and not only that, but you have to make sure you get that email in to say, hey, you can order this. Oh, yeah. 
And it's great news for Steam Deck people. And, I, and honestly, if I had the money right now, I would totally be buying this. I mean, if I had all the money in the world, I'd probably get the most expensive version of the Steam Deck, to be honest. A console, oh, oh, yeah. A console of a portable, like, what essentially is a handheld gaming PC that you can take anywhere with you. It's pretty mm -hmm. fascinating, and even though it is very Switch-like in nature, and the fact that it can be docked and everything like that, does make it more accessible and approachable. Oh, yeah, certainly. You don't have to worry about having a big, hunking computer. I mean, unless you're willing to, like, you know, not really called, I wouldn't call it jailbreaking, but you know how even sometimes on Windows, things can be absolutely frustrating and, uh, very uh lackluster in the help section you know um i mean the steam deck is just if you really just want it for games just don't do anything or like to tinker with it just enjoy the game enjoy steam os i guess you know well on top of it too you could also install windows on this thing too Oh yeah if you really wanted to be insane yeah you could you could do that but and then also just Use it to bypass Destiny 2. Yeah, I guess so, if you wanna. Or, or like, uh, I don't know. Go to your friend's house and use their PC only for that. Don't even interact with them. Have <laughs> you ever had that one friend that just goes over to your house to play games and it ignores, ignores you? I kind of have an idea of that. Like, if imagine if you were that one person who happens to, you know, go by someone else's house or whatever, and you have all the really cool setup and everything, and you let them check everything out. Yo, can I play? Ignores you for like three hours, dude. It's like six a.m. Uh, or six p.m. Can can we? Can you go home now? Your mom's probably wondering where you are. <laughs> I must play more Skyrim. <laughs> where are you in the world of Warcraft? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Or where are I mean, you in No Man's Sky? Where? <laughs> I mean, yeah, anyways. Uh, but yeah, like you said about the most expensive one, isn't that the one with the removable SSD? I believe Stuff. all of them have the removable SSD. It's the matter oh, they're but... all, all, you know, you know. Yeah, they're all soldered storage. Not that. I mean, you could remove them. They all have the removable, like, NVMe slot. But it's just oh. harder to access for all of them. All the same. Mm. Yeah, I just, I just like, um... I just like the idea, though, um, you know, of uh, a portable system, and you can just kind of, it just kind of exists for it, but the only problem is I'm afraid of, like, it becoming, like, the, uh, like, uh, too, um, uh, too out of date, I guess, and then you're like, oh, man, but right. it's okay. I have a feeling since Valve is the only one making this, it's not what they do with Steam Machines, which failed. It's not the Steam Machine, which failed. Because they had uh, so many people making so many different models with all different specifications. 
Yeah, it's one specific one, so some people can... Yeah. Which is good for developers, because they know, okay, there's one version and one model, and people will buy this, and then we can just make game-specific for it. Awesome. Mm. And this will definitely help get Linux more into the gaming side, for sure. Oh, yeah. I just hope that when the time comes, you can repair and upgrade... You know, they'll have aftermarket stuff, you know. Well, the thing or, is, I, I think the GPU stuff, because I think you keep in mind, if they, if they, if they want to add a removable GPU to this thing, the thing will be a lot larger. Flat out. Oh, yeah, of course. That's not what I'm talking about. It's more like repair and maybe some add-ons and stuff that would, like, I don't know. Like, have, have some sort of, like, kit or something, or, I don't know. Right, but either what, way, but what? But two <laughs> companies that are actually partnering on this are Google and iFixit, huh? and that's oh, because, yeah, and that's because they're making it so that if you have a Google Pixel phone, which I believe is from Google Pixel two to through Pixel six Pro, as well any future Pixel models, you'll be able to buy iFixit kits. To a pair of products. Slowly, Hydrowave lifts up his glorious Pixel Six, and not anything else that would uh, cause him to owe me uh, Steam games. It's over on the bed, isn't it? Never it, mind. Don't worry. Is. He has a Pixel Six with like ten cameras on it. I don't know why. It's... Sorry. It's five G, and it can do things. Yeah. Like I can actually put. Call of Duty Warzone, Fortnite, and five other games on the same phone because it's 512 gigabytes of storage. He can also um have have a Pez di dispenser attachment to it, unlike the iPhone. I mean, I have. You mean I I could probably could <laughs> all things I could probably get like a. Freaking super glue, and then just get a pad dispenser, like a red pad dispenser without any characters or anything, and just glue that. Do an auxiliary jack. <laughs> <laughs> automatic pad dispenser. Now available, now USB C powered, available for all devices. Oh, yeah. Or have one of those, like, crappy, like, uh. I don't know why they're called dongles, but. You know, you know, a little fan dongle thing. You plug it into your like charger port. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know. But yeah, this is really good news. I mean, good for Google for being able to partner with a reputable repair, you know, tool company to allow people to have the right to repair their devices. But Google also, but this update not the most significant thing Google has done this week. There was a new Google Maps update that actually changed, or actually, but add some notable things to the application. For instance, do you know that now with Google Maps you can actually choose to avoid tolls and see toll prices? Yeah, it's a new thing they're doing, apparently. I thought this was already an existing thing, that you just click avoid tools, there you go, but now it's officially a thing. 
Yeah, I feel like they like they it was it was it definitely was already a thing. I mean, it at least let you know if there was a toll. Um, but um, the inclusion of adding how much the toll will cost is definitely new. Um, and you can remember the settings, so it'll always do that. Um, or if you're going to a you know on a new trip, you can have it forget it, I guess. Um, it also says that the maps will be a bit more detailed than like uh, in um, you know standard like uh, you know mono mono sort of like uh, it'll show you like the traffic lights, stop lights, and stuff like that. So you can see. Yeah, you can see in the second image down below that they actually will highlight more stoplights. They can show stop signs and everything. That is pretty useful. I thought I've seen stoplights already, but maybe because I didn't notice it for a while. But it does help if you want to learn how to avoid stoplights, I think. It, it quite certainly does because um, sometimes Google Maps can be helpful, but not helpful. Like... In the sense that it can lead you a little, like, not, not in a terribly bad way, but it can kind of lead you astray into thinking, like, oh, oh, there's a there's a rotary there? I didn't know. You know, sort, sort of stuff like that. Or if there's, like, two rows that are very close to each other um, that you can both pull into, but one is, you know, they're so close that you have to pinch and zoom in. Um and also, one of the things that's also nice, too, as you can see here, and even in some cities, you can actually see road width. Oh, that's pretty cool. So you can see if it's like a two or three or a single lane yeah. or one way even. Mm -hmm. That's freaking cool. I, I like that because, like, uh, I mean, it doesn't really... It kind of matters for knowing where exactly you are, but like it, you, you know, not to turn that road if it's a dead end. I can see this being a very good enhancement. Yeah, they also add some quality life improvements to iOS, such as being able to access Google Maps from your home screen with a new widget, navigate from your Apple Watch, and search and get directions with Siri and Spotlight. So yeah, they added a couple of new improvements here, but I think overall this is a huge quality of life update that they've done for you know, Google Maps, especially with the fact you can see toll prices, which allows you to better coordinate your routes, and the fact they've added certain things like road width and stop signs and stuff like that to make ease access, especially in new areas. Quite certainly. Um, and uh, I'm glad that they're not, like, uh, you know, doing shortcomings with, like, iOS and stuff, you know, not leaving it in the dust, because... Maps is such a very useful tool that it's almost, um, it's very useful if you don't know where you are or you want to get somewhere that you've never been to before or forgot the route. Um, so personally, I, I love this. Um, and I, I can't wait to set up a next the next journey with Google Maps. Honestly, I'd, I'd love to try all this stuff out. Go somewhere new, like uh, with the with stuff opening up more because of you know the uh, you know with all that's you know all that's um, you know been happening with uh, let's just say you know recent things things opening up more. This is a great time to roll these uh, these changes out and just get out there, you know. I especially with summer coming and spring. I hear, but here's the thing, though. 
Did you hear about the first city that brought back the mandate? Oh, yes, yes, I... Yeah, I, I know about that. Yeah. Um, so maybe wasn't... not go to that city, though. It's in a state that's a couple states west of where I live. One second. Uh, uh, give me one second. Wait, which state is it? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Oh, uh, yep, I heard all about that. I thought you were... Philadelphia, the first city to bring back the mandate. And I have a feeling that's going to spread. You had one fucking job, Philly. But apparently because of rising COVID cases, which actually I did see, um, it did cause them to be to act fast. I give them credit for that. Oh, yeah, certainly. Um... But we do have a new conference to look forward to in June or at some point in the future. And that is Apple WWDC. This is from the Apple new room, newsroom. And, and this is Apple today announced it will host a developer worldwide developer conference in an online format from June 6th to June 10th, free for all developers to attend. So this is technically a developer event that you would use for you know iOS, iPad, Mac, whatever you name it. And that's literally what it is. It's a developer event that's coming up for Apple. So if you're someone who's big into the developing scene, like how Foof Alpaca wants to make a action RPG featuring alpacas. I, I did not. <laughs> this is the perfect place to go for, especially if you want to put it on iOS. What was that? I saw that. What did you see? I had an empty hand right here. Oh, okay. I saw you uh, whip something upwards, but it might have just been your hand. Yes. All right, then. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, so... I'm any, anything you'd want to see for this particular event here, be it, you know, maybe use some new developing tools or maybe some new um, projects or anything you think would be cool to see or not really? Um, I mean, not really because... I don't really dabble in a lot of Apple products, unfortunately. Um, however, I like to see in you know innovations that um, I'd obviously love to see innovations, no matter where they come from. You know, I guess because like um, I, it, it's true that company uh, companies are not your friends. And any competition is good when there's competition being made, you know? So, um, I don't really have an opinion, but I'd hope that uh, it brings something to the table, at least, you know, something uh, worthwhile, at least for 
not maybe not for me, but uh, people that um, do use these products, you know, with Apple and uh, you know the the Mac and you know the iPhone and stuff. <sighs> um, I I don't know. Uh, whatever we see at the event, I guess that's that's fine by me. I guess I I just don't want to see a, a ninety nine uh, nine hundred ninety nine dollars uh, display stand again. Right. Well, keep in mind this is mostly for software related things, so it's not going to be anything hardware related. Uh, all right then. Um, Sorry, they call it developers conference. All right. Well, in that case, then. Um, like, could we potentially see they, maybe the side loading of apps? Maybe, like, cause there's been some speculation because of law and stuff that they might have to abide by having to sideload apps. So that could be a potential thing if they decide to show it off here. If that's maybe. what they're actually working on. Yeah, maybe I guess. Um, I mean, I like I said before, I'd love to sideload um, a certain. App. Uh, desktop uh, app that we have here on Windows, but uh, that's for a different day. Um, not today. Fortnite. No. Hey, Cortana, tell me a joke. <laughs> Fuck, she's not turned on. <laughs> How do I... How to... Turn on or f shut the fuck up. How to turn on Cortana? No results. What the fuck? Um, how to turn on Cort Cortana? Cortana? How Who's to Cortana? Load Fortnite onto iOS. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, just kidding. Uh, install wi install Windows on iOS. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Windows, we'll just move on to that topic because Windows 11 is actually getting a new file explorer. And you can see here, Windows Power of the Future work. And they had this long, you know, thing talking about how work has changed dramatically. Most employee want flexible remote options to stay. Cyber threats are all time high. Looking at you lapses. And yeah, so they're talking about operations for hybrid work. And we're going to scroll down a little bit. Yeah. you'll see something that's pretty interesting here yeah so there so once you get down to the more inclusive accessible and intelligent you know topic at the bottom of that first paragraph what we're most talking about here mm -hmm. 
Additionally, we'll want to help Windows users be more efficient and more productive in every experience. The redesigned cloud-powered file explorer makes it easier to find what you're looking for, allowing you to see all files of one centralized place. You can also pin files and create tabs in File Explorer, bringing what used to be take six clicks to get to an important file to one. To further improve the meeting and collaboration experience, we're also introducing intelligent meeting features for Windows 11 powered by AI. So we can ignore that. What's the focus of that last sentence right there? The new file export. I believe. No, there isn't really an image of it, but on this document, at least, but you could definitely look it up. But the whole document pretty much goes on about how they're trying to strengthen Windows 365, such as that business can stream the entire Windows experience from the Microsoft Cloud to any device. So let's bring Windows 60, 365, which we did talk about this at one point, like really early on. Mm -hmm. A bunch of other things, but yeah. What do you think of the Fox War getting a new version of it with tabs and being able to have easier connectivity with the internet and stuff? Um, so I, I remember before, uh, a bit of outcry when it came to, uh, there was a build, um, that, you know, people thought it was, um, it was a file explorer with ads in it. Um, I mean, let me take a short look at this uh, video, and uh, why is it? it's in 144p? <laughs> Dang it, that was a little joke. Um, um, oh, okay. So it's so pinned apps look a bit different, of course. Um, um. Oh, there are folders and and okay, nice, yeah. Um, I mean, this looks cool. It's something that Linux has had for a while, though. So, I mean, I feel no like, points there, kind of. Yeah, but, but I feel like this is definitely approved for Windows specifically because this would be very useful, especially for if you're like any of us here who use, use like modern internet browsers. Mm -hmm, certainly. Um, my only concern is maybe just the fact that files, like, I, I like the idea of file sharing being a bit streamlined a bit more, not not being a whole, huge mess of sending email attachments and pieces or using Google Drive or OneDrive or something like that. Um, right, so I could actually, I, you know, send, you know, if I wanted to send images of certain squeaking birds... I could definitely do that. Easier. Does that count? I don't know. Does it count? Who knows? <laughs> Nobody knows. Except for this thing in the top right corner. As um, so... Uh, so, uh, anyways. Uh, uh, so... At, at least on the right on my, on my screen. Uh... 
I mean, I'm happy with this. It's just I, I'm worrying. I kind of worry about the security part of it, of course, because it, it's allowing shared files to be a bit uh, more attached to the window to file explorer. Um, but I, I mean, I'd hope that it would, uh, you know, be handled a bit more, uh, a bit better than that, you know, like not just be like an open, you know, path straight to like your, your files. But, um, I mean, I don't know. I'm not too much of an expert in that field, but I just hope that it would be really secure when it came to like allowing, you know, um, attaching File Explorer to more towards the internet than ever, you know, not just being a way to access your files anymore, but a way to like access, you know, it through the internet and back, I guess, you know, I don't know, just little minor things. Um, right. Cause of course, but what's up? Okay. Cause now we can move on to how you, you the United Kingdom is trying to embrace cryptocurrencies and wants to make a certain thing of their own. Where have I heard John Glenn before? I have no idea. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll talk about an older episode or something like that. But anyways, so you can see there's a large amount of text on the screen here. Actually, I should probably show this off before we move on, but you can see this large wall of text. It is a long speech. Oh, do you think they'd be prepping her, you for a giant bat war story like battle or something like, gosh. Is this like the Gettysburg Address or something like that? <laughs> like, I, I'm thinking of fucking uh, General George S. Patton's like speech on like Day-Day, you know? Do you know what Gettysburg addresses? I guess. It's the famous speech that Abraham Lincoln brought that spoke of during the Civil War. I, I assume as much it had something to do with Lincoln. Yeah. <sighs> as he mentions here. Because fintech is a fast-moving sector, fast-moving exciting sector, in large part because of your ideas, your hard work, and expertise, it's absolutely at the forefront of your chancellor's mind as he thinks about the future, about supporting the economic recovery, and about making UK the world's preeminent financial center. And the last board's critical financial services make an enormous contribution to this country in many different ways. And within that, with every passing month, fintech is punching harder higher and harder yet year-on-year investment growth in the uk fintech was up more than 200 percent in 2021 or leading european fintech hub and second only to united states worldwide i don't know why they labeled this but i'm gonna go with it almost half of the fintech unicorns in europe are based in the uk in the last year the sectors attracted more investors than france germany sweden and the netherlands combined that mattered because, as the Chancellor told you last year, part of the way we became that preeminent financial center that he described is by having technology here to do things better. And so no doubt the Chancellor and I value immensely and will continue doing everything we can to support you. That's why I commissioned Ron 
Khalifa to t undertake an independent review on UK fintech and why we're restraining every sinew to implement his recommendations. And one of the things he mentions is the FDA already expanded and reinforced its world-leading regulatory sandbox. It's piling the new scale box, which offers enhanced support to newly authorized firms. And just a few weeks ago, Innovate Finance announced the launch of their international fintech group, which they will co-chair with the Department of International Trade. And... One of the Cleveland's Review Central recommendations was the creation of a new national fintech body, the Center for Finance, Innovation, and Technology, a force for turbocharging UK fintech. I'm delighted that the CFIT Steering Committee, chaired by Ron himself, met for the first time last week. And said open banking. And, yep, and you can kind of see, let's see, let's see, another point here. The Chancellor Chesbury and I have a specific message on new technologies. And this is where we get to the part that Alpaca does not want to read. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, never in the history of commerce has there been innovation as there been invention as hyped and misunderstood as a disrupted ledger technology and blockchain. Look at all these famous words. Blockchain. Alpaca's one of Alpaca's few favorite words. Why did you have to do this? <laughs> For simplicity's sake, I'm going to use the catch-all term crypto or crypto technologies. Ah, Alpaca loves this stuff. Thank you. <laughs> but what, what I mean is the extraordinary... Mercurial underlying technology, which makes crypto possible and which we can be pretty sure is going to have profound effects across multiple domains. And that doesn't happen very often. And because we want this country to be a global hub, the very best place in the world to start and scale crypto companies. Again, more of crypto. I mean, this is your favorite thing. Oh, yeah, it certainly isn't. <laughs> if there is one message I want to leave here today with is that the UK is open for business, open for crypto business. We're still right on the cusp of this technology breaking through. But there isn't even consensus on what the implications of crypto are, when or whether we're going to reach some kind of steady state, or even whether crypto itself is a good thing. Okay, well, that answers your question. They're, they're kind of doubting it. As you can see in that last line there. I'm sure they are. Or even whether crypto itself is a good thing. They are kind of unsure. Mm -hmm. There's a massive debate between the skeptics and the evangelists. And there are a wide range of views in between. Well, I know what side you're on. Shut up. <laughs> you're on the evangelist side. <laughs> No, I'm not. I, I just, <laughs> I, I'm not sure either. I don't know if it's going to be, uh, you know. Um, okay, you're a skeptic, never mind. Yeah. Just kidding, you're we'll a Just kidding, you're a bad evidence. <laughs> anyway. What the fuck? <laughs> Some people worry deeply about crypto and about how long it's going to harm consumers or provide 
a platform for illicit activity free from government oversight or drive of carbon emissions. Okay, I think we can both agree about that. Oh, yes. Others say it's the best thing ever. That's the alpaca. <laughs> they argue that crypto could do things like revolutionize global finance by making financial exchanges more transparent, efficient, and democratic, and placing currency in the hands of people, not nations. That leaves us here in the UK with a big question to answer. How are we going to respond? If crypto technologies are going to be a big part of the future that we, UK, want to be in and in on the ground floor. If we, in fact, if we commit now, if we act out, we can lead the way. We hear the concerns, some which are valid. That's why in this country, we've already said that we'll seek to protect consumers by legislating to bring certain crypto assets into the scope of financial promotions regulation. And it's essential that investors understood the risks they are taking. And at the Bank of England's Financial Policy Committee recently noted, we're also mindful that crypto technologies grow and become more interconnected with the core financial system. We'll need to ensure that regulators have the right tools to manage the associated risks. We're aware, too, that crypto assets have proven attractive to criminals in hostile states, which is why we've taken proactive steps to prevent their misissue. Since January 2020, crypto asset firms operating in the UK have been subject to the money laundering regulations, and we recently consulted on implementing Financial Action Task Force Travel Route Rule for transfer of crypto assets. Can we do see that for a while, like, UK have been placing regulations and stuff on crypto? They have been trying to crack down on the stuff. Mm-hmm. It says we have a robust system in place and we won't compromise on those high standards. And if I scroll down here more, there's a, there's a. Oh, and here's another thing, too. On carbon footprint, the UK is a world leading center for green finance. So, of course, we'll be looking closely at energy usage associated with certain crypto technologies. I am making this more environmentally friendly would be a plus. I think anyone can agree on that. Oh, yes. Thought it out. And then, equally, we see enormous potential crypto. It wants to give ourselves every chance to take maximum advantage. We aren't going to lower our standards, but we are going to maintain a technology neutral approach. A robust and effective regulation won't hinder innovation. It'll actually boost it by giving people and businesses the confidence they need to think and invest for the long term. I mentioned, like, we have a detailed plan. And if we scroll down here, I want to find the part where they. There's a certain part in here. I want to get to this because this is actually the most important part. Yeah, some stable coin stuff. And then I did see this. There's a lot of stuff about the stuff, but I want to get to the point. Ah, here it is. Finally, I am announcing today that the Chancellor has asked the Royal Mint to create a alpaca's favorite word. Absolutely his favorite. Non-fungible token. NFT. Help. TBA. Send. Help. <laughs> 
issued by the summer. An emblem of the forward-looking approach we are determined to take, and there'll be more details very soon. A memento of the backward-looking direction. We're fucking Michael Jackson moonwalking out this fucking dump. <laughs> Whoop. Oh, shit. I can't go farther than this. I don't have another screen on this side. Damn it. Fuck. Can I... <laughs> Anyways. So, what do you think of the United Kingdom trying to make it more crypto-friendly? And, of course, issuing their own NFT. Uh... Um... Well, uh, I, uh, th this is how I feel. Um, give me one second. Uh, let me just, uh, grab a, uh, certain thing. Uh, oh yes, this. This is how I feel. <laughs> you know, this is my protest face. <laughs> You know, I'm surprised you actually haven't grabbed any weaponry. Oh, yeah, but I'd need a license for it. <laughs> Just kidding. I live in the heartlands of America. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. But yeah, uh, do you have any actual thoughts on this or not much? Citizens aren't supposed to have guns. God, you remind me, your character remind me of like Watch Dogs Legion where they had those pig masks or whatever. It was like a face of protest. Oh my god. I, I, do I have a pig mask actually? Do I? Wait, uh... And you know Wait, what I'm talking I? about, too, and I'm sure you haven't played Watch Dogs Legion. No, I've seen the front cover of it. I mean, I, I, this is the best I got for, like, a mask. Oh, yes, yeah, no, I've seen that. I've seen that. This is the best I got for a mask. It's, uh, uh, <laughs> Hog Sucky. Pogmasucky. Richard Poggerson. Richard Poggersuck. <laughs> I don't know. Right, I mean, do I'm you trying any... to make fun of his last name. I'm sorry, Rich. I mean, I know you take a lot of shit, but... Anyways. I mean, do you have anything to say on this before we move on to... Look, I'm, I'm okay with with this stuff, okay? Like, I, I don't really think it's, it's... It's okay when it comes to regulations. I don't really care when it comes to NFTs because I'm not interested in them. And even though the, the interest in NFTs and stuff have been waning over the, over the you know, months, I don't know. I'm not too right. intrigued. I just I mean, what you mean, though, because NFTs themselves, you know, it. I think it's just people are starting to view it as just a marketing scheme, essentially, like a... They get rich quick scheme. They it's like what should have been like. Hey, this could have been a way to serialize and store. 
these assets yeah are ending up being used as like get rich quick schemes without a doubt honestly like I know this one service I think that came out recently that, that does something where it's like you can invest in actual art Mm-hmm. That's one thing. It's an actual physical item you can have in your hand. But for yeah. this, it's a little different because, well, yes, having unique images is really cool. It People are using it more as like a get-rich-quick scheme more than just enjoying the image that they actually own. Uh-huh. And also, on top of two, there's a lot too many too many monkeys on there. I like to have some variety. You know, um, I went on OpenSea the other day, and uh, um, wasn't there, like, alpaca NFTs? I remember we were talking about that, yeah. Yeah, let, let me see if I can find it, like... I mean, get uh, alpaca, make maybe make some alpacas more in, in on the mainstream so it could please... Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Damn it, I, that was the wrong one. Hey, I, I didn't think- need to... Sh- Hey, I think lunchboxes don't count, so maybe I can whip that out. I mean, who knows? <laughs> Do you want to test me? <laughs> Reddit to the hydraulic press channel thank you so much this is react content <laughs> copyright uh oh and also uh this guy right here motherfucker uh i swear to god <laughs> what was i looking for oh yes the uh download of the uh, alpaca nft so Sue me. I right-clicked and saved. But I don't own this. This is Alpaca God. Anyways. What Alpaca wants uh, to morph into one day. The command of all of the Alpacas. Uh, I mean... Nah. I'd like to hug it one day. Maybe you can, maybe you can make your alpaca Super Saiyan alpaca. Maybe. Maybe give it, maybe it or could, maybe it's Super Floof alpaca. Get, make it like supersonic and have yellow fur. Make him have the senzu beans. Speaking of senzu beans, um, my anxiety meds look like senzu beans. <laughs> anyway, I mean, you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, I guess at this point we can just move on to meta. No, we don't have to move on to it. We can uh, not. Um, what the f- Zuckbuck? <laughs> the Zuckbuck. Right, so pretty much what says meta might not give up on the console of digital currency just because it's DM crypto project has floundered. According to the Financial Times, claim that Meta is exploring a digital currency, which is internally named Zuckbox, aimed at the Metaverse. 
and they say this probably wouldn't be a cryptocurrency, though it starts to say they would be essentially managed in app tokens like those available through game platforms such as Roblox. And they say this will mark a return to the defunct Facebook credit system since 2009, which you would use to buy things for Farmville. Apparently, the company is also reportedly mulling similar rewards for its biggest social media contributors, such as creator coins for Instagram influencers and reputation tokens for Facebook group participants. May help communities modern themselves, according to leakers. You might also see conventional financial services like small business loans. These in the Zuckbucks are said to be in the early stages of development and might be canceled or changed. Though Meta's NFT plans... I know your favorite word once again appear to be moving forward at least. The Time Source said a pilot for ad and fee based entities was expected to debut in, on Facebook in mid May with support for NFT oriented groups soon afterward. So, yeah, I mean, hey, one of your favorite things out there. Anyways, uh, Flip Alpaca, what are your thoughts on Zuckbots? Wait. Shit. Hey, Alpaca, say something. But yeah, Floof Alpaca, I mean, what do you think of all this stuff? I mean, it just definitely talks about NFTs, which is obviously one of your favorite things out there. Um, I hate everything. I mean, especially if the NFTs are based off your favorite, you know, idols. I'm sure you love those. For a certain uh, island. No, I don't. I don't like NFTs based on uh, Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> Thatcher the Milk Snatcher. Yeah. Um, but seriously, what do you think of Zuckbox as a concept? Like, or the fact that Meta is trying to revisit the concept? Uh... All right, so uh, in all honesty, in all honesty, I mean, uh, when it comes to like, uh, uh, <laughs> when it <laughs> when it comes to like, uh, I don't know, um, Facebook credits being reintroduced uh, for like, you know, for the idea of like NFT stuff and like maybe being. Um, thrown into like uh maybe being thrown into i don't know like farmville i guess or whatever they have nowadays although there's like baba casino and stuff but i don't know right but if it was actually a digital currency um for the metaverse like what would your thoughts be on that if it was targeted to that 
Uh, well, I, I don't know. Um, I'd probably, um, I mean, I'd be okay with it and never go to the metaverse ever. <laughs> but, uh, in all serious, uh, I, I don't know. I guess it's all right. I'll go to like a virtual, uh, Zuck Donald's. A virtual Zuck Donald as an alpaca. No. As a sheep llama alpaca thing. <laughs> right. Just use the epic mo the, the epic 3D model tool, transform your thing into a 3D model, and then walk into the Zuck McDonald's. Yeah, it'll be like 2.5D, like uh, in facade. Or oh, like Sonic. Ooh, like Sonic. Actually, no. Let's not talk. Make it like look like Sonic 4. Maybe episode 2, I could see that, but definitely not episode 1. The episode 1 is way too shiny. Melons. Uh, as long as we don't have to deal with dying cat music, oh yeah, we'll be good. Yeah, I guess so. But I guess at this point, let's just move on to the grand finale of topics. Yeah, um... Especially when it comes to Twitter. I think I foreshadowed this. Um about putting stock into Twitter. Um, so as we can see, Twitter shares close up to 27% after Elon Musk takes 9% stake in social media company. This was on April 4th. If he put this, I swear to God, if he did this on April Fool's Day, that's a great way to screw with people is like <laughs> like oh hi lol but it's on April 1st <laughs> yeah but anyways let's start off with that first point that we mentioned yes Twitter shares close up 27% after Elon Musk takes a 9% stake in Twitter once I get this web browser, that'll be amazing. Click. I want to edit this segment too. <sighs> okay, there we go. Anyways, uh, so. Twitter shares close up on 27% after Elon Musk takes a 9% stake in social media company. And as you can see here, uh, this article was published on April 4th. Uh, it's a little early, but hey, better late than never on this topic because it does tie in with something. Oh, yeah, certainly. You know, it's funny is he mentioned how Twitter, you know, undermines democracy and stuff because of free speech principles and whatnot. Thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. So outspoken C Tesla CEO Elon Musk purchased a giant stake in Twitter that makes him the largest outside shareholder in the social media company stock. 
Not long after criticizing the company for what he said was a failure to upload the tags of free speech. Musk now owns 73,486,938 shares of Twitter, represents a 9.2 passive stake in the company, according to Securities and Exchange Commission 13G, filing released Monday. The stake is worth $2.9 billion based on Twitter's closing price on Friday. But I remember when we were talking about this, myself and Alpaca actually calculated this, and the value actually increased. <laughs> so he already gained money off of this. Oh, yeah. Anyways, the purchase comes less than two weeks after Musk purchased the company pulling people on whether it adheres to free speech principles, given that Twitter serves as the de facto public town square, failing to adhere to free speech principles fundamentally undermine democracy. What should be done? Late last month, yeah, so, Musk also said he was considering building a new social media platform. Which, we know how privatized, you know, social media platforms go. Go see Truth Social. Oh, yeah. Where you create another echo chamber in the community that already has echo chambers. Yeah, um, we were looking at that. Um, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that kind of funny? Hmm. Yeah, so while it classifies the path at stake, investors are bidding shares higher on the chance that this could lead to something more. Twitter stock surged more than 27%. Musk could try to take a more aggressive stance here on Twitter, what got analysis said. This eventually could lead to some sort of buyout. And this makes sense given what Musk has at least been talking about, at least from a social media perspective. Yep, and so you can see here. Yeah, so all this stuff here. But yeah, um, this is an interesting investment. Mm -hmm. Especially to someone that we've seen has been critical of social media companies for a while now. Oh, yeah. And to see him do this direction is kind of an interesting t turn of events. Like, imagine, like, as the article, this article mentioned, what if he actually does end up doing a hostile takeover after gathering enough shares? Um. I mean, it'd be, uh, I mean, it, it, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that, like, that path. Because, like, being so vocal about it, you think that, you know, purchasing, purchasing this much, much stock, it, it's quite a, it's a little bit suspicious, I guess. I don't know how to put it other than that. It's a little bit suspicious that, you know, like, <clears throat> that he would, uh, you know, Man, this this place, wow. What what is this? This this place is uh terrible if you want to uh if you want to want freedom of speech and then, you know, 
I mean, then again, doesn't doesn't don't stock shareholders like uh, doesn't putting a lot of shares into like a brand doesn't that kind of give you a say in some of their stuff almost? It does. Yeah, it allows you. It does allow you to vote on. It give you actually a significant say on some things. Okay then. Um. But hmm. however, speaking of that, so Elon Musk might join Twitter's board of directors, teases significant improvements, and the articles make it seem like. Like, Elon Musk will join Twitter's board of directors after taking a 9.2 stake in the social media company. The news sent share, Twitter shares up 2% on Tuesday. Through conversations with Elon in recent weeks, it became clear to us that he would bring great value to our brand. He's both a passionate believer and a test critic of the service, which is exactly what we need on Twitter and in the boardroom to get strong in the long term. And apparently... Musk's term is set to expire in 2024, according to final with the SEC. For his entire board term, or 90 days after, Musk cannot be the beneficial owner of more than 14.9% of the company's common stock. Outstanding. And, yeah, so... And he even says here, looking forward to working with Parag and Twitter to, and Twitter board to make significant improvement to Twitter coming months. Yeah, and so it looks like, based off this post here, it seems like he would join Twitter's board. And honestly, for someone who has a strike contract to Twitter, I feel like he would provide some meaningful say to Twitter. However... Noting that it would only cap its shares at 14, what was it? Let's see, where was it? Point nine. Yeah, 14.9% of the common stock, outstanding, means if he were to do, take on the offer, which at this time seems like he will, it means he can't have more than that many shares. Which, if he wants to build up enough shares for a hostile takeover... That's not a good thing to have. I see. So, so you're saying that very well it could be um, it could be beneficial and um, uh, handicapping to make that decision. It would be beneficial to finally have some say like being a board director uh, you know uh but then you could not by contract i guess right um you know have more than this amount of common stock i i can see how it'd be a little bit more difficult than just saying oh yeah i finally get to have a say in um in everything you know because, you know, personally, if that if that was the case, if I was, you know, one of the richest people in the world, um, it would make more sense to just throw more cash into, like you said, a hostile takeover, which, what what is that exactly? I'm sorry. 
that's when someone has enough shares of the company to then be able to be like, hey, I want to take over the company. And then through a vote, I think, or something like that, they then take over the entire company. Oh. Wow, okay. Man, I better learn about that stuff. Holy crap. That sounds powerful. Um, yeah, so hmm. imagine if you got like a penny stock or something like that, and apparently there's enough shares. You might be able to invest heavily enough that you could take over like a cheap company. That's pretty cool. Um, huh. Well, um, well, the moral of the story with as hostile takeovers is you get enough shares, and at the walls, you can then just vote yourself to become the new CEO. Okay. Um. So. Uh, where this leaves me, honestly, is um, it would definitely be better if he just, you know, that I mean, I would honestly thinking of a world where literally the owner of Tesla and the man, the meme, the legend himself is the owner of Twitter. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, uh, I, th I think he'd have more say that way. Even if he's very, uh, you know, out outspoken about what he believes about Twitter's policies, which personally I'm kind of in the same boat, I guess. But yeah, because I feel like if, t if Elon Musk were able to take over the entirety of Twitter, like, there would be a lot of changes off the bat, like how they would be monetized, how everything would be done. A certain yes. character would essentially be would be added to Twitter. Like, maybe not, I mean, granted, a lot of the social medias, as from what I could find, definitely seem to lean towards a more left-leaning policy, but a potentially more centrist-focused social media network. That mm -hmm. could potentially unban more contra maybe someone like say Donald Trump. Yeah, I could see that. Um, and try to make it more of a social media platform based off of Unity could be a very interesting idea. But granted, that also throws its own own controversies too, because it's like, hey, these people who are outspoken on free speech. Uh, Oswald on hate speech are being rampant on the platform and then what do you do? Yeah. I see. Then you get to that question, hey, what if this one person likes to talk about certain birds? Then what do you do about that? Um... You hope that one day he makes a uh, a decision to penalize himself <laughs> every time he tweets about it. <laughs> Daksu. Imagine having to pay someone. Like imagine being a CEO of a company of a social media company. Like, hey, every time I post an image. Of a, of these birds, I give everyone every single. I have to split a jackpot of fifty thousand dollars. 
at Quaxi Duxu. For every time that you post a random image, I'm like, oh, congratulations, you get a dollar. Congratulations, you have earned NFT. <laughs> NFT. <laughs> I just love how you get that scream right there. Like, NFT! I mean, well, one change he does w would implement is he wants to ask users, he apparently wants to ask users if they want an edit button. And the way he d did the poll is he intentionally spelled yes or no wrong. Yes, on. Solely because he wanted to show that, hey, people would like to have an edit button. And honestly, if you had an edit button on Twitter that isn't tied to Twitter Blue, which is their subscription service, I would definitely be happy for that. Oh, yeah. Uh, imagine locking an edit button behind a, a, a paywall. That's literally what Twitter Blue is. Oh, yeah. So, um, overall, I mean, this is an interesting topic looking into this. I mean, Elon Musk, the legend of electric cars, and the pioneer of privatized space exploration, wants to invade Twitter. You mean innovate Twitter. And that, too. Invade to innovate. But not only did he manage to do, you know, make this change to Twitter, but we have to look at his company. What, what's what's the, what's Tesla doing? That what's his main company doing? Oh, well, a couple of small things. Uh, first, Tesla throws a massive grand opening party for the Giga Factory in Texas. And apparently, this thing had like a freaking Ferris wheel. It's like a grand party down in this new factory. Yeah, concerts and everything, apparently. Um, who, who is this protester? Tesla Geek Seeks Friend. Please pick me as your number one guest, Smiley. Because I believe you have to actually get a ticket in order to go to this grand opening. So it says the CEO has proven himself a good match for the go big or go home state of Texas. The Cyber Rodeo at Gigatex, the Cyber Rodeo at Giga Texas, an invitation only bash for thousands of guests at Tesla's new multi, a new billion dollar plus Giga factory in Austin, with the biggest seeker and the toughest ticket in town. As many as fifteen thousand people are expected to attend the private event hosted by Tesla. Mogo well, Musk to mark the opening of the new factory in Travis County that all served at the company's new home following its move from California. CBS Austin reported that Austin Mayor Steve Adler, city council members, and Travis County commissioners were among those who received tickets to the exclusive event, while many Tesla owners, while many Tesla owners and fans of Musk circled the perimeter of the new factory in hopes of being taken in as someone's plus one. Hence, the sign. Oh, plus one, okay. I, I thought that was number one, I don't know why. <laughs> um. 
I love the man. I do love the man, Mike Bertie. Yeah, Mike Bertie, an artist from Los Angeles and Elon Musk super fan, told CBS Austin. And then Bertie. And then some summer. Ah, uh, uh, Adel Jawad. I'm sorry for mispronouncing that name, but so Adel Jawad from Washington, also on the road near the factory to take in the action. We're here today because we want a trip, and we knew also was having the event, and we're, we're we're big fans of the brand. So people were literally traveling cross country to try to get into this new factory and a county issue permit said the event included interactive tours food alcohol and live entertainment man i couldn't attend then damn it the event which ended at midnight was off limits to the general public and the news media pyrotechnics leading up to the start of the big event which included a presentation by musk dressed in a t-shirt and jeans and a black cowboy hat was live streamed on tesla's youtube channel And you can see that image. <laughs> he looks like a, like a pop star, honestly. Well, keep in mind there was fire in this event. They actually had a like, pyrotechnics. My God, he looks like he could like. I don't know. You're. He looks like he could sing. <laughs> right. I don't know. I, I, I'm actually fanboying over some guy. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Yeah, so there's a lot of other things. And you can kind of see this Gigafactory under construction in one of these images here. You can see how big it is. It's the last image before it says trending news. That's how big this factory is. Oh, yeah. Um... There's no state income tax in in Texas. Yep. A selling point for his move there. <laughs> that makes sense. Is that in the fact that, you know, he it was very critical of California for a while too because of the high taxes and everything, and they were like, "Now nah, we need to get out of here for like a bolster my own business." Yeah, and I, I assume his um, political stances obviously didn't line up with California. I know that, you know, California is not... California is very divided. Like, it's it's just as bad as the other states, but it's like, one it, state it's that like, hates each other. It's like the Southwest. I would say, like, middle... Like, once you get, like, the, the West Coast of California, like, the main coast, is very left-leaning, and then you get to a lot of the inland province, the in, inland counties, and it gets to be very conservative. I didn't know. I, I wanted to see the political like divide between California. Like you can look it up easily, I'm sure. But but yeah, what do you think? The Northern California, brother, that was so warm. Sorry. But yeah, this it's a party. I figured I would note this, but also apparently the cyber truck will finally be starting its sales next year. Elon Musk has announced it's at the opening party for the company's Gigafactory. So this was during that time. And he showed up the production Cybertruck vehicle, which looks like it's pre-versions, except its doors no longer have handles. That's right. Oh my, oh my God. 
dude, I could drive down to 7-Eleven while looking like a low-poly model from a PlayStation 1 game. Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> the car will be able to tell that you're there, and you, it will know it's supposed to open the doors. I actually quite like it, though. It's like, it, it's nostalgic in a really weird way. Like, imagine if you had the, if you, if Tesla gave you, not Tesla, wow. Imagine if Musk drove the Cybertruck and gave it to you at your house. And you got um, to go around town and be like, hey, I just need to get myself a cup of, a gallon of milk at the 7-Eleven. <laughs> Does he have any, like, uh, like children? That are like my my age. No, he has like the he has the, the the child with Grimes that has the funny name. Oh, okay. Well, never mind then. I mean, if he did, you would have became that guy's best friend or girl. Yeah. I I would. If Elon Musk just decided, yeah. Oh, time to take a road trip. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he sounds like. Um, but if he just decided to take a road trip um, all the way to me, I would feel uh, lucky, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I'd, I wouldn't expect it. And I'd be like... Is RoboCop like gonna kill me? Why do? Why is there a car parked outside my front door that looks like it's from the future? Um, and then I just see um, a dude in a cowboy hat. Just I'm like, holy shit! It's it. Oh my god! Bobby Kotick sent uh, uh, the original Cole Cassidy to kill me. <laughs> Also known as McCready. Uh, mm -hmm. And then he, he knocks on my door and I'm cowering in fear. And um uh he, he goes to my windowsill and is like What Hello? What are you doing? What well, why why are you cowering? And I'm like, Don't go near me, McCready. And then he's like, What the fuck? I'm here to give you a fucking car. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> right. And then also, it's also going to release this Tesla semi-EV next year. So that's like Tesla semi-truck. Um, so you can... Where? So you know those big giant trucks you see in the highway? Yeah. That's what the Tesla semi is. It's one of those. What do those look like? Let me look it up. Oh my god. Tesla semi truck. What does it look like? Images. Oh my god. It looks like a bullet train. Mm. Yep. Holy crap. That's actually really cool looking. It looks like a. Like I said, it looks like Robocop is about to like. Transform into Optimus Prime and like murder me. 
And apparently Tesla's Optimus humanoid robot will all start production in 2023. Really? So this is going to be a robot that can accomplish tasks that human won't be able to do. You can, I actually am curious about this myself. I'll probably look that up after this, after this episode's recorded. He is a robot. He is a cop. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, um, any thoughts on this? Um, new Cybertrucks coming out 2023, semi EV trucks and Optimus humanoid robots all coming next year because of this Giga Factory. Um, I mean, I can't wait to see them. I'd like to try one out. I mean, it like I said, it looks like a low poly PlayStation 1 model, but then again, I. I'd also be afraid that, you know, like I said, half robot, half human, all cop, except his programming's fucked up, and now he's gonna, like, uh, he's gonna, like, uh, stop motion, break down my door, and send, uh, like, pull out his, like, Beretta, and, like, right. right. And then he's gonna gift me a a cyber truck be like <laughs> I come from the future okay. I'm here to protect John Connor uh, and I'll be like the fuck <sighs> and then um, I don't know and he's like just just kidding here's a cyber truck go fuck yourself now right and just takes a giant leap through my ceiling and leaves. Right. Nobody would know a thing. Honestly, though, I've been trying to invest in, like, solar panels. Fucking electricity is expensive. Right. I hear you. Um, I think that's all we have to say for right now. So we don't have any comments of the day because, of course, we don't have any. We're too small. And if you like what you see here today, uh, make sure you follow us on subscribe and follow to us on, say, YouTube or any of the podcast sites that we're on, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. A link tree to which is down below if you want to go check any of that out. Also, to make sure you check out Floof Alpaca and Fall Through Gaming and his other channel for oh game, yes for a gameplay of Seal World. Yeah, um... And that, possibly that, a Chrono Trigger playthrough and the live reveal of the Fufalpaka action RPG game when it starts development. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> we, we shall. Um, uh, we, we shall in the future see a world where the Mac 15 is a thing. Of course. A world where you play as Fufa Alpaca, and then as you play the game, you unlock different, you get a skill tree, and you can get more weapons and stuff. Yeah. And these weapons shoot more weapons. Oh, except, uh, no, no, no. They, it, it'll be like uh, that, that like one like uh, legally distinct 
Pokemon firearm game. Yeah, or better yet, a Fluff Alpaca action RPG that plays like Fallout. Yeah, with uh, one hundred and ten percent less iguana bits. Right. Anyways. Because iguana bits are not iguana. Just so you know. Mm-hmm. Also, also make sure you check us out on Discord so we can have a community to talk about with everybody. And also join the Hydro 99 Reddit too for more community interaction. I'm your I'm your coordinator, Hydro 99. And I'm your uh, co-coordinator, Fluvel and Packer. And we'll see everybody next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Fuck, where'd they go? Wait. <laughs>